0: Oh, i was <laughs> Is not in service at this time.
1: This is your United States of America.
2: It is Friday, May 11th, 2018, and you are tuned into season 2, episode 19 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast, powered by the GorillaPosition.com and presented by Hami Media. On this week's show, we've got ESPN UFC news, everything from the WWE red and blue brands as we build the money in the bank, and of course, a review-preview of ROH's War of the Worlds. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans, for the fans bring you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at http://pod on Facebook at HittingTheMarks. Shoot us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. I'm joined, as always, alongside my favorite Huckleberry. Huckleberry number one, the O. OG of the Huckleberry Club, Huckleberry Club is fine, RBV, Rick, welcome back to your show.
3: It's me, it's me, it's that R of the beat of the V, Rick Vickery, happy to be back here again in the Heady March Pro Wrestling Podcast, but not, you know, after that hectic month, uh, especially maybe the last two months, uh, the build to WrestleMania, and then, I mean, so much happening post-WrestleMania, uh, so many big events, so much programming, almost that WWE overload. And I thought I was going to be able to like sit back and relax, maybe kind of enjoy uh, the six-week build, that slow build to their next big event. But, man, I, three big days already of wrestling here, uh, three hours, two hours, uh, an NXT show for another hour, and three and a half hours of Ring of Honor already this week. Man, it, it just never stops.
2: Yep. And then, you know, there's, there's, you know, the two hours of impact that's coming up tonight. And then there's like two more honor club shows this weekend. And I think by the end of this week, I'll be at about 27 hours worth of wrestling. Do you have any kind of a, an estimate in your mind of how much wrestling you've watched this week?
3: I, you know, really, I wasn't even looking that far forward. I was just kind of just taking a day and relaxing. Uh, but then again, a day, you know, I, I got some work done. I got up early, got, got my personal work done, uh, then just sat here for the last couple of hours just reading wrestling news. It it, it truly does just consume our life, And really we have so does. much. We get through the weekend and then it just starts all over again on Monday.
2: Well, and this isn't even on the run sheet, but uh, for a lot of you know that we actually record the day before these episodes come out and we don't actually record at 5 a.m. I know. Shocker. But now we got to watch Impact too because I want to see Sammy Callahan beat the shit out of Don Callis.
3: I've got yeah, to watch that. I'll definitely be tuning in here tonight. Uh, this is one of those one of those circumstances where probably stooging something off is going to work for them.
2: Yeah, yeah. This this will spike a rating.
3: I absolutely well, and, you know, expect this. you are talking about stooging things off uh, going into us. Uh, is the Raw brand on on the tour yet, or is it just SmackDown right now? Uh, but either way, you know we're going to get some. Uh, some pre-recorded shows next week. Uh, So we're going to know going in. And last time they did that, you know, they leaked the big news that there was that huge title change that AJ Styles took the WWE Championship. Uh, And it was was the right move. It gave them a major boost for the ratings on SmackDown Live for that evening.
2: And they could use a major ratings boost because their ratings were kind of in the toilet this week. Ratings way down this week. Uh, I, I didn't see any of the SmackDown
3: numbers. How did they fare?
2: Um, I it, they were flat with last week. I want to say 1.66 was the rating this week.
3: Interesting. Okay, so they they kind of held steady.
2: Yeah, they held steady, but I mean it, it's a 1.66. That's that's the lowest that they've had going back to I believe it was October 17th. That wasn't on a national freaking well,
3: holiday. It, it, if you look to you know Raw had the lowest of uh, 2018. Uh, was up against some good competition in the Cavaliers, uh, sweeping the Raptors there in game four of the uh, Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA. Uh, but, you know, if you go back and look from a year ago, uh, they, they kind of are they're holding true to where they were. This is just one of those times a year where, you know, as I kind of mentioned in my open there man, we had so much content. Uh, in a month span, I figured out. I think just you know between weekly programming and special events, just from the Red and Blue brand, I mean we were over fifty hours in a month. Yeah, it, uh, that's a lot a for much. the consumer to take in, and, and we're kind of conditioned at this time of year. Uh, it it really slows down. Uh, you know, like I said, we've got six weeks of this until Money in the Bank. I was hoping you know, maybe they take their time to give us some good programs. Looks like they are, but people are just kind of conditioned to pull away from the product right now.
2: You know, it's it's kind of funny that you say that, that now is, you know, when things kinda of slow down. I'm gonna pull this up here quick.
3: Do you uh, have last year's numbers?
2: Uh no, I don't have last oh. year's numbers. Um and I don't Maybe have that's where no, you were going. No, but I and I don't have the two years ago numbers either. But I know that they are down significantly from the two years ago numbers, even though they're up slightly from last year's numbers um but but you say you know now is the time when things kind of slow down and then i go to the new japan pro wrestling website and i see friday may 18th saturday may 19th sunday may 20th tuesday may 22nd thursday may 24th friday may 25th saturday may 26th sunday may 27th welcome to the best of the super
3: juniors where you have a wrestling show to watch every day of the week yeah i mean that's that's the other side of the world and that's not reaching that anywhere close to a, oh, not a even, portion of those that are watching WWE not
2: even a fraction not even a fraction um let's let's uh, go ahead and let, we're going to kick things off with a little bit of news because i i feel like this story kind of trumps everything and number 1 it trumps everything because of its importance and number 2 it trumps everything because people have the wrong idea here uh, and we're, we're we're talking of course about the ESPN and UFC uh, contract that has been agreed upon. Um, every, everybody pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, guys, this is for their online content. This, this is just the online content. This is not ESPN. This is not ESPN2. This is not ESPN news. This is not ESPN the Ocho. This is ESPN plus, which is an online service that you pay $5 a month for. People are making a much bigger deal about this
3: than it really is, Rick. Well, I could see what, well, you know, initially you get, you get really excited because you've got all these big negotiation, uh, television negotiation, uh, rumors and, and all this excitement around them, you know, just not for the UFC, why we bring this up because this means a lot for, for WWE. Yeah, absolutely. People are like, Oh, well, the Fox deal is done. WWE's going to Fox. No, no. Pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, this is, you know, and this, and I understand why people were excited because, uh, what this could potentially lead to, you know, if some if it is successful and what they're doing here. Uh, but, you know, right now at this time, we really got to pull this back, uh, really look at what this truly is. A lot of people see, yes, it's great to see those letters ESPN, but that little plus there is the key. As you said, this goes to the streaming service. Uh, there's going to be a lot of great content there. You know, it sounds like uh, they're guaranteed. Uh, was it fifteen bouts, twelve 15. to fifteen bouts, something along those lines? Uh, they're going to get the the fight pass. Yeah, they're going to get some of the original content. You know, like the, the Dana White, you know, behind the scenes show things like that. That's all going to be available there. Uh, essentially, this is they're just essentially signing on with either. You know, this is like signing a Netflix or Hulu deal for just distribution.
2: Exactly. You and I, uh, we, we kind of discussed this offline a, a bit last night um this really feels like ufc is basically taking money from espn so espn can put together the ufc
3: network and i actually I, i'll hand it to him for this because you and i for every time one of these launch and most recently we've been talking about honor club you know all the problems that they have and it, and it baffles us because i mean you've got sinclair that powers that that system and you've got all these other platforms out there. We're we're kind of we've always been asking ourselves it's been done so many times. Why, does all, why do all these upstarts have all these same problems over and over and over? You have to think, you know, if you're UFC, you don't have to deal with that. You're going in with Disney here. Yeah, You're you going do- in with the best of the best, and they're going to take care of this thing for you. Yeah, What, 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 what it really
2: comes down to is UFC is a fight promoter. That's what they do. They promote fights. They're not a a media streaming service. They're not a media company. They don't have the infrastructure to do that. So rather than screwing it up, like Ring of Honor did, they're going to pay a company like or they're going to actually, they're not even going to pay them. They're going to take their money and let Disney worry about it. That's pretty much what what I get the impression of is what's going on here. $750 million over the course of five years, $150 million a year this is a win all the way around for the UFC. And I, you would think that this is a win for Fox because I don't think Fox wanted anything to do with taking care of the UFC streaming platform. And they save $150 million a year.
3: Well, and you know who's who's to say, I, I'm sure there's going to be some conflict of interest there, but this doesn't sound like this is the end. This can't be the end for UFC. I mean, you think they're probably out. They got to be out there somewhere. Uh, fishing for a, a true a traditional deal or do you think this is it?
2: No, Forbes.com even came out and said immediately that the UFC is still looking for a broadcast deal. This was all about online digital streaming rights. That's all that was really at play in the inside of this deal. Now, granted, yeah, it would make things a lot easier if ESPN just took care of all of it. But the UFC, once again, they're fight promoters. They don't really care if Fox and UFC want to, f- or Fox and ESPN want to fight over them. They're gonna take full advantage of that, as is the WWE. Because now we have seen that NBC has a big event next week, and John Cena is gonna be there, and Brie Bella is gonna be there. Oh yeah, and Nikki Bella is gonna be there, and there's gonna be a WWE ring there. And people are saying maybe this is the big announcement of the continued partnership between wwe and
3: nbc universal uh uh-huh, okay here's uh, something very interesting but not to cut you off you're going you're talking about wwe which yeah i mean i think a lot of people are reading into that a little too much too uh this could be both sides just really trying to turn up the heat on negotiations absolutely uh, i know there's been that speculation that we're going to get some kind of big announcement and we could or this could be uh you know, WWE's going in. They, it, this, maybe this was WWE's idea. Like, hey, we want to be more present here uh, just so we can just put ourselves out there a little more and show our importance. Maybe it was the other way around. There, there's a lot of variables that could play in well, I mean, here's WWE's role there.
2: Here's how I feel about it, right? We can't keep it a secret if Alexa Bliss is actually hurt or not. Nia Jax goes out and stooges that off on Twitter that Alexa Bliss is fine. But we seem to think that they can keep a secret that they just signed a new TV contract that's going to go for like five years and is going to make them like two hundred and fifty million dollars a year. That they can keep secret, but not the booking of the women's division. Right. Pretty sure we would have heard a stooge report by now if there was a new deal coming.
3: You know, it's what's really interesting about this ESPN thing here. Uh, I was was I, was I was interested. This really didn't occur to me before to wonder where they stood as an operation. Uh, this thing was only was just founded uh, twenty six days ago. <laughs> what? Uh, the ESPN Plus. It was just launched in April.
2: That can't be right. That can't uh, be. Th- it may be. It may be a relaunch because I know the Iowa Hawkeyes Big Ten basketball games were on ESPN Plus this
3: season. Well, I th- were they, Was it? That was when it was operating under ESPN three. Okay, so they changed the name of it and flipped it it's around. A, it's a revamped model here. It's a relaunch. Uh, yeah, it's a relaunch with a revamped model. That was It was operating under ESPN3 because uh, I was kind of looking at the content that they offer. And they do have, you know, they've got some extended uh, programming or games for the contracts they have with some of the conferences. It would be, you know, football, basketball. they got some other
2: Right, it basically comes uh, down collegiate. to like they, they hold like the Big Ten broadcast rights for Big Ten games, right? But nobody wants to watch the Iowa Hawkeyes because the Iowa Hawkeyes are fucking terrible when it comes to playing basketball. But for some reason, the people in the Cedar Rapids and Iowa City surrounding area still want to watch it. The people nationally don't, so they put it on ESPN3.
3: It looks like you've got a lot of the different uh, soccer leagues from around from around the world. You've got some cricket in here. So there is a, there's a, a, a good variety of content on on the platform. Uh, that I think will make it uh, make it appealing uh, right now. It is saying that ESPN plus is only available in the United States. Dude, that's going to piss MacGyver off, which could cause an issue, but there might be some kind of other, you know, if this is just a rebranding relaunch under this plus name, maybe they have other outlets available uh, in other areas. Something to kind of look into there. Uh, just something that popped up. I didn't mean to cut you off on the WWE talk, man.
2: Oh, it's all good, man. The dominoes are starting to fall. I have a feeling within the next couple of months, we're really going to see more of these dominoes start falling. This was just the first one. This is going to be a crazy time for the TV business. Um, I also thought it was interesting that this is only a five-year deal.
3: Well, you know, it's something it's something so young. They, they, it's something they probably don't want to – either side really wants to get themselves over-invested in uh, in case, you know, if, if this thing – Uh, takes off and it's huge in five years you you, if you're you know certainly if you're ufc you want to come renegotiate this thing
2: yeah i don't Uh, think anybody is going to have any idea what the television landscape looks like in five years at this point
3: well look at this point how how fast it changes Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just continually evolving mma junkie had a they put out a survey um kind of in in partnership with USA Today Sports and all that, where they, they did it on a number of different platforms. Uh, and it was almost 50-50 of the MMA fans thought this was a good deal. And uh, you and I were talking about, you know, this kind of, from just kind of being a little bit of outsiders, it seems like a win-win for us. I mean, we don't know so much about the sport. I mean, we understand, you know, the marketing, the television aspect of it. But again, there's still always those worries uh, about And you, you kind of summed it up perfectly when you say, you know, People thought they were cutting the cord. This was going to save them money. Uh, but now you start piling on all this a la carte and we're right back to where we were in the beginning.
2: Yeah, I feel like we're in this weird kind of uh, transition period where people are going from cable to streaming services. And now we're realizing that to get what we were paying, you know. a month for on cable. We're actually paying like $90 a month in streaming services because we have so many streaming services and why in the hell didn't we just stick with cable?
3: Well, I I still feel that the streaming is a better option as long as you know how to manage it, as long as you don't need all the content out there and still, I mean, if you still take the time to look for it, you can find about anything you need for free already being streamed out there.
2: Well, we can find absolutely anything for free because we know what we're doing. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there that still have absolutely no idea how to use the internet. It is crazy how many people I'm like, just Google it. And they're like, what? What do you mean? Just Google it. You can Google literally fucking anything,
3: uh, any, anything you're in the mood for. I mean, you can head. I mean, the simplest of sites you can head over to like a daily motion or even uh, YouTube still, isn't as strict as a lot of people believe it is You can find it pretty much any kind of Any kind of sitcom a series A special that you want to watch uh, I mean sure it might be broken up at times But If you don't feel like paying that top dollar Then deal with it
2: Speaking of broken up Let's let's uh, move over to the WWE aspect Of this show And uh, that's exactly what I did I broke it up again I, I liked how things worked so well last week You know where we just talked about the individual divisions then I think we're just going to do that again this week. Of course, uh, we're, we're, I'm going to start things off with uh, Paige, though, because I thought Paige's promo at the beginning of SmackDown was freaking hilarious. She comes out there and she talks for like five minutes about how great of a show Backlash was. Both brands colliding. You would have thought that you missed a really good fucking show by listening to Paige talk at the beginning of SmackDown.
3: Hey, you know, it's, she, she put it over pretty well. Uh, but hey, with just like WWE production, if you would just watch their uh, video vignettes, uh, you would think it was the most uh, most entertaining, top notch, uh, far superior entertainment platform in in the entire world.
2: So I have figured out the new method to watching WWE TV. I'm going to enact this starting next year. I'm going to watch everything up until WrestleMania. From WrestleMania until The pay-per-view after WrestleMania, I just, I'm not going to watch anything because everything since WrestleMania leading up until Monday, that was all the preseason. It was all just preseason bullshit. We got all our inner gender stuff taken care of. we got our interleague play over here. We're going to do raw versus SmackDown and the bookings not going to make any sense. And we're going to have SmackDown superstars challenging for raw titles it's all preseason bullshit. None of it matters. The new season started on Monday. That was very much how I felt. Smackdown and Raw this week, five hours, so much better than the five hours I watched on Sunday.
3: And, and you know, it and, and, sayily, it wasn't all that great, but <laughs> it was just so much, it was just so far superior uh, to, and you are right, you know, the, you come out, you have the hot, you have the hot two programs following WrestleMania, uh, and they just live off that. We're in it, All essentially, they didn't do any business there. It was, uh, let's just hope that you pop because we're having
2: debuts and returns. Yep. We're going to take all this shit. We're going to throw it against the wall. We're going to see what sticks. We're going to figure out our lineup card. We're going to figure out who's going where. We're going to figure
3: out who's going to AAA, who's going to the main Like, it was well, preseason. Have, well, then you have the shakeup. So you, sense, you have two weeks of trying to reset your rosters, yep. So you have to do some kind of business because you have two big events you had to quickly turn around on. Yep. And we were saying we've said that going in. It it should be it will be exciting when we were previewing Backlash. We kind of dismissed that event. We said it really starts Monday and Tuesday, and that'll be the shows that of are the most interest that people should pay attention to. That begin sending us up for Money in the Bank and SummerSlam.
2: Yep. Yep. So. What did you think of the two shows this week? I I, I listened to you and Big Ray over at OneWrestling.com, uh, the Wednesday locker room. Where the hell are Bello and Steve and what the hell is Fire Island? What are you guys talking about? I actually had <laughs> to Google this. Fire Island.
3: It's a you real thing. Fire Island? Yeah, I, I, I guess it is. Uh, all, the, all the information I knew about it, I, I gathered from The Simpsons. Uh, uh, I know it's a, I know it is a favorite uh, vacation destination of one Mr. Smithers. Uh, uh, apparently, apparently this this is Ray's this is Ray's informants letting me in on this. I don't know this firsthand. Uh but apparently uh Bello and, and Billy Ray, they they had a, a great time there staying in the in the Mr. Smithers suite. Uh, now, for Strangler, he wasn't with them. Uh, he was off taking care of, I guess, some top secret, possibly, uh, some 2CW business. Ooh. This intrigues me. Look forward to that. Look forward to that. Uh, uh, speaking speaking of, uh, as we're sitting here recording, I got Big Ray blowing up my inbox on Facebook. Uh, I, I'm getting, uh, he's in tears. Uh, he just called me a liar uh, because we never invite him on Facebook on this show with us
2: what we never invite
3: yeah yep, i got i got the, i got the, the crying face i said uh anytime you know that uh that he called me a liar so I, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to keep that in mind see i can never keep up with his schedule
2: yeah no no huckleberry number four is just trying to get over see that's all it is he's just trying to cause more problems you see this this thing that started on twitter huckleberry club did you yeah, see I, this?
3: I, I saw a little bit of it earlier. I want to go back and look at it. What, what give, give me the gist of it here before we move on.
2: Well, the gist of it is Big Ray wanted to be a Huckleberry, and Billy Ray Valentine said no, as if he had any fucking claim to who gets to be a Huckleberry and who doesn't. I dubbed Big Ray Huckleberry number four, and now Billy Ray's all pissed off at eight tracks Huckleberry number two, and he's Huckleberry number three, and it's like, dude... Two-
3: yeah, I saw 8-Track jumping in there. I know you guys are gearing up for a for your big, uh, your big. Are you guys doing multiple shows?
2: Oh, I'm sure we're going to be doing multiple shows. Uh, Huckleberry 2 and 3, 8-Track Brown, and Billy Ray Valentine, myself. We will be doing a Hameen Media Best of the Super Juniors preview. We will be doing a Dominion preview as we kind of go through Best of the Super Juniors. I'm guessing you'll probably get a show like once a week. I mean, Best of the Super Juniors runs for five weeks, I think it is. So we'll probably do like one show a week, just kind of recapping the best of the super juniors for those of you who don't want to get up at five o'clock in
3: the morning and watch the matches. There we go. Something to look forward to a little extra treat for everyone there. I would actually, I would suspect that might be a crossover, which I know. I mean, we'll use it here as well, but I think I believe every, everyone on that's going to be involved in that is involved with one wrestling.
2: So, uh, that very well could be. That very well could be. There, and then I, I made the comment on Twitter that there will be a Best of the Huckleberries tournament coming up on Hameen Media. So so look forward to that, too. We're going to try to get uh, all four Huckleberries and myself on one call and just see what in the hell happens. I'm guessing 8-Track Brown buries everybody. Uh, speaking of buried, <clears throat> let's go with uh, Roman Reigns here. Uh, let, 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 let's start off our WWE talk with Roman Reigns. Do you understand... We're going to start things off with Roman Reigns. Rick, is there any way that you can say, do you understand to somebody and not sound
3: like a fucking pompous dick? I would say, you know, just the statement itself just comes off so condescending.
2: And yet that's how Roman Reigns finishes his promo on Monday Night Raw. That backstage promo, it it felt very
3: heelish to me. Did it not to you? Well, I I think... What really gets me is the big news coming out this week is that WWE I and I really I can't believe that they even think this is a good idea. WWE plans on rehashing the Daniel Bryan storyline, where you know it's management holds him down, they're against him, against him, against him so much that the fans ultimately rally behind that individual. And you know what's funny is I, I can't even I can't even imagine a world where, where even Vince McMahon believes that this is a good idea that this is going to work. I mean, this has to be uh, them ribbing the sheets. This, this
2: is one of the most completely asinine things that I've ever heard in my life. And the thing that is so funny is this same story is going on inside of Ring of Honor right now. And Ring of Honor is telling it. Well, that's the part that just cracks me up about it. There's a kingdom conspiracy. We saw it at work full-fledged last night. We're going to talk about that in segment two. But, I mean, if you want to talk about a conspiracy, let's just get Matt Taven on the phone, and I'm sure that he'll be more than happy to tell us all about it. As for Roman Reigns, I, I, I think I might have figured out what is going on here. I think this is a slow burn heel turn, and I think it's going to happen the Monday after SummerSlam. I think that we're going to have to put up with this Roman Reigns, this kind of tweener Roman Reigns, until SummerSlam. Either that or Vince McMahon got cold feet and completely pulled the plug on it somewhere during the course of this show. Because it seemed very much like at the end of the show, we're still positioning Roman Reigns as a babyface. But I mean, dude, if the plan is to do Roman Reigns versus Jinder Mahal in Chicago, come on. They cannot be that stupid.
3: You know, the more and more that, that I think about this thing with with gender, uh, you know, when it, they first kind of teased this thing with us when we had that six man where uh, was it Roman Braun and Lashley taking on essentially a, a team Canada? Yep. Uh, and and gender was getting the pop over over Roman.
2: Dude, how about that pop? Freaking
3: Monday! My God! Well, that's what I was gonna say. You know, we kind of dismissed it. We said, okay, okay, maybe because it's in Ginger's home country, uh, he's there with two other with the with true hometown Canadians there. Maybe we'll give it that. We'll write it off. Let's see where this goes if they try it somewhere in the states.
2: <laughs> well, they tried it in the states.
3: Uh, it that that pop was deafening. It, it might have been the the loudest roar of the evening.
2: I, th- I I've got it number two. I've got it number – well, actually number three because we're, we're going to talk about Seth Rollins here in a minute. Uh, Seth Rollins is just getting ridiculous pops right now.
3: Um, so I mean, what, what would go ahead of it? Uh, the actual kick to follow when they knew it was true that he when, wasn't winning
2: that? When there was a moment when Roman Reigns is laying in the ring and Sami Zayn and Finn Balor look at each other and they start laying the boots to Roman Reigns and a yes chant started. And Finn and Sammy were even a little taken aback and they stopped and they kind of looked at each other. And then they started really throwing the boots to Roman and that place erupted, just freaking erupted. And it's so funny because Daniel Bryan is on uh, talk is Jericho this week and the interview was recorded in Saudi Arabia. So it was recorded long before Monday night but he talks about how the yes chant is so positive and motivating and it just brings happiness to people. Yeah.
3: Ask fucking Roman Reigns about that. I don't think he was very happy Monday night, but they, the people were happy. Uh, the people were absolutely loving it. You're right. And, and then I guess maybe they'll try to chalk that up to that. They were again in a, a smarter fan base.
2: Yes. Everywhere the WWE goes is now bizarro world everywhere.
3: Yeah. I guess that's what they're going to chalk it up to. Chicago gonna, is going to eat this alive.
2: You know, I, it wouldn't surprise me. I bet you Chicago coordinates this thing. It would not surprise me if there is already a Money in the Bank Chicago crowd Twitter account, and they are making plans, and everybody is either going to stand up and walk out or stand up and turn their backs on the match. I, I don't think this is going to be a, oh, we're going to boo both guys oh, we're going to chant CM Punk. No, I, I I think the Chicago fan base is going to literally eat them alive.
3: If this match makes the card, which I'm not uh, 100% certain it will, there could be second chance opportunities, which I, I hope not. I, I absolutely hate those. You should have your one chance to qualify. When you throw out that second chance match, it really devalues the importance of these other big wins that we've seen. But if you're going to have this, if this match is going to make this show, just I would open with it just to make sure people stay in their seats. You know, they're going to be rowdy. You know, you're going to get that anywhere on this card. I'd open with it and play with how hot that crowd is. If
2: this match makes it on the money in the bank card in the all-state Arena in Chicago, Illinois, the night after NXT TakeOver Chicago. I might have to stick around town, pay twenty bucks, and just be a part of the crowd just to see it. just to see what is gonna happen. because that might be worth twenty bucks just to watch the Chicago crowd shit on Roman reigns and Jinder Mahal. I might pay twenty bucks for that. I might pay twenty bucks for that. Um, let's 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 talk a little bit about the uh, triple threat match. Finn Balor qualifying for the money in the bank. Uh, evidently the popular opinion inside the Hameen media discussion group was that Roman Reigns was going to win this thing. I cannot see Roman Reigns walking around with this briefcase. Um, after Kevin Owens lost earlier in the night, I didn't see Sammy Zayn winning this match. It seemed kind of obvious to me that Finn Balor was going over here. Did you think it was the right call?
3: Yeah. And I, and I don't think, I don't really think either. I, I mean, I guess you can make an argument where Sammy have been decent with the case it's just something i don't think that he really needs uh it definitely doesn't fit into anything going with roman uh roman is one of those guys he's above the briefcase isn't he well it just well just by his nature he's a guy that likes to take your head on and that kind of defies what the case at when it is exciting is all about well you know what
2: it is there's such a conspiracy against roman reigns the poor guy just cannot get a title shot he has to go into Money in the Bank and win the briefcase in order to get a title shot because they'll never just give him one.
3: Well, I guess then, too. I mean, I guess you could use the case actually to play to Roman's strength as, well, I want and win this case, and now you don't even book the champ to be around here. When can I cash <laughs> it? <in? laughs>
2: That's freaking tremendous. That's tremendous.
3: I guess it would play into uh, you know <laughs> what they want to do with you, like – I just went and and won this major match at one of our marquee events, and you don't even book the champ anywhere. You didn't even book him for this show. I I heard rumor (laughs) that his contract's supposed to expire before.
2: Oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Um, Did you notice Finn Balor came out in the all-black gimmick this week, and Jeff Hardy was wearing the rainbow gimmick on SmackDown? Did you catch that?
3: Yeah, I, I I took just a brief notice of it. It didn't really mean anything to me. doesn't mean it as, anything.
2: I think they're just trying to potentially move away from the Balor gimmick.
3: Well, I, I, Balor in the black is where you can really take him serious. Like he was really focused here. And you and you, have, you see a little more fire out of him with that. I thought Finn looked good this week. And with the Hardy thing, what, was he ever referred to as like the Rainbow Warrior?
2: Mm, I know a lot of Jeff Hardy's monikers, but that one doesn't. That one doesn't ring a bell.
3: I thought was, there was like some kind of tie. It works. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to represent uh, the LGBTQ community. Uh, it's just you know Hardy's a, a colorful guy. Well, well, we'll we'll talk a little bit
2: more about the uh, qualifiers for the money in the bank ladder match as the show goes on here. I um, want to talk a little bit about gender Mahal. Uh, I think my favorite match on WWE TV this week was Jinder Mahal versus Chad Gable. Those two got really good chemistry together. I really enjoyed that match Monday night. What did you think of that?
3: Yeah, good match. Uh, ginger gets his win back. Both of their matches have been pretty solid. They Absolutely. work well together. Good chemistry they, they work, there. Work really well together. Gable, you know, and even he gets some of that knock on his size, but he's one of those guys that can get in there with the big guys. And it's believable because we know his background And he is so technically sound when he is throwing a suplex, it looks legit.
2: Well, this is one of those things, too, where knowing Chad Gable's background, if you are against Chad Gable because of his size, uh, then I also assume that you hated Kurt Angle versus, like, I don't know, The Undertaker or Kane or because it's the same thing. He's an Olympic wrestler. He understands leverage. He understands momentum. He can use your momentum against you.
3: And, you know that was um that was, that caused a great deal of tension and arguments in the back when Kurt came in. Yep. Uh, you know it was Kurt's it was a Kurt's mindset that hey dude I'm Olympic champ. Yep. I'm one of the I'm one of the baddest in the world. I could beat anyone here legit.
2: It's well documented you- that the first time Kurt Angle met Vince McMahon, uh, he said, "You realize I can't lose, right?"
3: And that's why I mean they almost broke the deal off because it's like. Well, yeah, you have to lose. But then there were guys like on, you know, on the other side. Like I don't know, I, Triple H is someone I heard was very vocal about it. Chaker probably brought it up. But he doesn't. That doesn't really seem like his mo. But you know, there was that when you get Kurt in the ring with these guys that are six six plus, uh, you know, two hundred and sixty five, nothing but muscle. The the image is so off.
2: Well, and it's kind of the same thing that we talked about with Zack Saber Jr. over in New Japan. Yeah, he's tiny. Yeah, he's scrawny. But there's something about his style and the way he uses leverage and submissions and pressure points that he's believable. And it's kind of the same thing with Daniel Bryan.
3: And there, there's a major, there's a huge difference between you know the the guys like that that know how to use their bodies that are so technically sound that you can buy into. Having a chance in these fights, uh, you know, opposed to some the dot, dot, dot guys that need all the setups. It just looks like, you know, a choreographed dance routine.
2: Although sometimes I do wish that we would get a little bit more of matches like Bully Ray versus Cheeseburger. We're going to talk about that one in segment two, too. Uh, that, that is to that. probably
3: uh, just a little teaser. We're going through all these matchups here that that's probably so far my match of the week. I absolutely love that, that was fun.
2: Uh, let's talk about Seth Rollins. Um, cause I have a new working theory with Seth Rollins. You ready for this one, Rick? Let's have it. Seth Rollins is how Roman Reigns is going to turn heel. My prediction is now Seth Rollins is going to beat Brock Lesnar for the championship of the universe at SummerSlam. And the Monday after Roman Reigns is going to turn heel on Seth Rollins. That's where I'm at with it. That promo that Seth gave on Monday night, talking about how he was the champ, this title is the championship on the show. I'm not interested in Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank does not matter to me because right now, it's all about the Intercontinental title. We're going to keep this uh, open challenge thing going, and Seth is going to beat everyone. 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 Until it comes up to SummerSlam, and the only person left is Brock freaking Lesnar. Seth Rollins defeats Brock Lesnar. You get the ultimate warrior moment where he hoists both championships up in the air. Monday night, he comes out on Raw, and Roman Reigns comes out and says, That's cute. You're not the champion. I'm the champion. I beat Brock Lesnar. You beat the illegitimate champion. You ain't nothing but a bitch, just like the Beast. I could get
3: behind that. I mean, I definitely see that happening. Just definitely that, that see going jealous that
2: Roman Reigns. I'm the real champ. You didn't beat nobody.
3: And I did see, you know, we were talking about how people thought Roman might be a favorite to win that money in the bank. I mean, that could tie into that. Absolutely.
2: Roman Reigns cashing in on Seth Rollins. Like, I don't know, maybe during a Brock Lesnar match. Hmm. That, that kind of writes itself, too, doesn't it? It's an interesting possibility. I think well. that
3: would be too over the top. I think it's, it's a, a little point. too predictable, isn't it? Yeah, I think that would be too over the top. But it's, it's something that the, the direction they could go. Just talking about Seth Rollins on this show here. I loved that he kind of he is not interested in money in the bank. Yeah, I, I love, love that. that it's problem. all about the Intercontinental Championship. He is the brand's active representing champ.
2: He is the fa- it's Monday Night Rollins. He is the face of Monday Night Raw. I loved all that. I am not a
3: fan of this Intercontinental Open Challenge.
2: I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and I'm hoping that it's not necessarily something that happens
3: every week. Here, Here's my problem with that, though. When you throw something out there, just like going to Backlash, when you say it's going to be a no DQ, you set up certain expectations for the majority of the fans.
2: Yeah, we, we, we had uh, an issue with that a little bit later in the show, too, where there was just a giant gap in psychology when it comes to the no DQ stipulation.
3: And my major problem here with Rollins is he's an amazing athlete. He is very, very exciting in the ring. I am not knocking that. I'm not questioning that. My issue is he tends to wrestle the exact same match. Yep. I completely agree. Uh, my problem, overexpose big spots. And there's a reason I call him false finish Rollins.
2: Uh, the thing that is great about Seth Rollins though, and we saw it Sunday with the Miz. I still believe that that was the best singles one-on-one match that the Miz has ever had was, was Sunday at backlash Monday that this isn't even close. That was by far the best match of Mojo Rowley's career even though it was a typical Seth Rollins match. There are two aspects to the Seth Rollins match. There's all the offense that you know that you're going to get in every single match. The more intriguing part to me is watch how he makes his opponents look good because he's been doing a hell of a job at that right now. I mean, Good God, he elevated Mojo Rowley. Like, I know there's some people in the Hameen group that are much higher on Mojo than I am, but I mean, I I, like
3: I, I don't have an issue with him, but... I really wasn't into this match because it's the same Seth Rollins match. And, and now I know if I have to see five or six of those before we even get to the money in the bank to the next big one, then why, why should I overinvest? I, less should be more here with your champions. That's why I don't mind Barack. I, 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 do, I do appreciate that you got your working champ that's there every week. That's fine. But he doesn't need to be out there doing this every week or be involved in a one-on-one and some kind of open challenge every week. Yep, completely agreed. And uh, how come it's always losers that answer through the that answer like through like weekly programming?
2: That's a good question. That's a good question. I and, and I think the better question here is why in the fuck wasn't that Zach Ryder?
3: We Ray and I were talking about that in the uh, the joint production that we had going on between well wrestling video and as we filled in for Hameen for uh, Wednesday's episode of The uh, locker room. Uh, Ray was asking that and it didn't really occur to me. So we were talking about it over on Facebook and how discussion group. There's still this question. Is he still injured? Uh, Cause remember he missed the, the greatest rumble ever due to an injury at a, a live event or a dark match uh, to Mike Canellis. That's why he wasn't in that match. So that's possibly it. But there was some debate uh, if, well, well, yeah, someone actually, I think it was uh, maybe John Bruno brought up that he actually worked a dark match. On Monday – or, yeah, at this event against Kurt Hawkins.
2: Yep. Yep. Uh, the, the thing was, uh, Zach was afraid that he tore his ACL. Uh, he went in for further testing, came back that it was just inflamed. Uh, he just needed okay. a little bit of time off. He kind of nursed it back to health. Uh, Zach Ryder is
3: cleared at yeah, this I mean, point. Okay, so that's what we were asking – when we record it late Tuesday, I mean, why not? Why not put him in this spot? You know, do the baby versus baby. That's fine, but get that home, get that hometown crowd riled up for you in that hour three. Show some excitement because as we saw, the home audience had already checked out. So do something for the people in the arena. Well, you know what it was.
2: You want Zach Ryder getting a bigger pop than Roman Reigns?
3: Well, everyone else wasn't Roman. wasn't even around right here. Yeah, I know, but he was I actually, on the show. I actually, I actually joked about it. I think I did. Yeah, I did joke about it Tuesday night. I so said probably the reason they only used him in that backstage skit was uh, because they were worried about him going out there and seemingly getting himself back over again. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Uh, let, let, let's talk about somebody else who got himself over. Of course, that's Daniel Bryan. Um, Bryan and Rusev Money in the Bank qualifying match on SmackDown Live. Uh, lots of questions coming out of this one, Rick. Um, I guess as a Rusev fan, should I be excited that this is the beginning of the Rusev push? Or as a Brian fan, should I be disappointed in how he's been handled since he came back to the main roster? Or option C, do I just need to pump the brakes and let
3: all of this play out? Right now, I'd say it's probably best to go with the uh, option C. The old uh, Austin Aries, option C. But talk about just in the finish. What a shock. Yeah. Yeah, out of nowhere. This was literally was one of those times where I was like, wow. I did not see that coming whatsoever. I I expected Rusev to go over.
2: Yeah, so did I. Yep, so did I. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of this because of the way that they went off the air. Uh, I mean, as SmackDown goes off of the air, we're seeing poor, dejected, questioning himself, Daniel Bryan. We're not seeing happy celebrating Rusev. So I I, I feel like the Bryan story is what's important here, and it just so happens that Rusev was on the other side of the ring across from Daniel Bryan. I want to believe that this is the beginning of a Rusev push. I just don't believe that this is the beginning of a Rusev push.
3: Well, you know, some things on the Rusev front... You know, going back, I was talking about this. When everyone thought at the Greatest Rumble that they were they were actually it was just it was symbolizing the the actual burial of Rusev. You know, and I praised that he got the opportunity to go out there and work with the Undertaker. He got extended time. It was a great match, probably the best match from Undertaker we've seen in a couple years. Correct? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Uh, A great match, probably. You know, going back to maybe the stuff that he did uh, with Lesnar for how, how good he looked, how active he was. It was a great match. I told you, I told others then. It was a perfect spot for him. It was a great rub. I hope I'm right that Undertaker went in the back. Undertaker's are kind of guy that can go up to the brass and let them know, hey, you've got something. He's working his butt off. He's something special. Take care of this guy. I, I think that might be a part of what's going on here. I, I don't think we see Rusev win money in the bank, but we do know that he is challenging Hardy, on live events now for the United States championship. Maybe that is a direction that he goes, and I'd be perfectly okay with that. There is other questions involved here. Are, are, they, are they really going to go with that Lana direction? How does that afe- affect Aiden English? I think there are things that we can concern ourselves with, Rusev. But like you said, maybe the bigger picture here is what's happening with Daniel Bryan.
2: Well, as far as Lana is concerned, I, I feel like they basically cut her legs off this week. I mean, if Lana was trying to say that there's something missing from the uh, Rusev act and that Aiden English is holding him back, well, I just qualified for money in the bank by pinning Daniel Bryan clean
3: in the middle of the ring. I think I'm doing all right. She could come at it as, okay, no offense to you, English. You you helped him get to this point. Uh, but when he falls short in that money to bank match, she could easily throw out there, you, you know that was just you taking yourself to that level. You want to go that next step. Last time you did it, it was me with you, not this guy. You need me. I'm that extra ump that you need to get over that hump. She could go with that approach there. Now, did you see, I, I know everyone's a little surprised that Big Cass didn't get involved in this match. He was taking credit on social media and through .com afterwards. Uh, you know, taking credit for Daniel losing, saying that his head wasn't in the game. He wasn't quite there because of the beatdown he laid on him post-match at Backlash. Uh, but now we've got a story out there that there might be a little heat on Big Cash backstage from the segment involving the midget last week.
2: Yeah, that broke shortly before we started recording. going to kind of wait and see how this thing plays out. Yeah,
3: it seems like something because he wasn't on Tuesday. It seems like something
2: uh, Meltzer would just say like, oh, I bet you he's got heat.
3: Well, it didn't come from him. It came from that rat. Oh, well, <laughs> there you go. So, I mean, I, I, that's probably something that's they're exaggerating. They're just trying to connect some dots that aren't there. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it seemed really hard to get a lot of people onto the show. And it really seemed like if someone took a big loss on this show, they were trying to just out of sight, out of mind them. Cause, you know, we didn't even have a Samoa Joe sighting.
2: Yeah. I, I liked SmackDown, though. Um, I think Paige had about the longest promo on the show, and it was right at the top. It was about a five minute promo. Everybody else, it was in and out. It was a tight show. It, it was
3: very wrestling heavy. I mean, we had a couple, couple matches going. You no, know, fifteen whatever minutes uh going through a couple commercial breaks. Yeah. Heavy Re- on the wrestling.
2: Really enjoyed the pacing of SmackDown. Really enjoyed it. Uh let, let, let's uh move on to uh Owens and Strowman. Uh speaking of cases of amnesia, uh evidently uh Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn have completely forgotten about their beef from Sunday night. Well, maybe Owens hasn't completely forgotten about it. Uh I thought it was significant that uh when Sammy went, yep. in the background, and Kevin says, yeah, I thought that was absolutely significant. Um, as far as Owens and Strowman goes, I love watching Braun Strowman murder Kevin Owens, but I'm not sure that anybody else on the roster could do what Kevin Owens does for Braun Strowman.
3: I was going to say, you know, if there is anything, anything week in, week out, that is absolutely, it's just enjoyable to watch. It's so much fun. Those shoulder it tackles, is watching man. watching Kevin Owens take those shoulder tackles <laughs> Really taking anything that Braun could dish out on him. And he does such a good job of making Braun look great. You know, but outside of that, Kevin Owens got a lot of offense in here. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot more than we usually see against Braun.
2: Well, and Owens, is he's kind of got that Miz thing going for him now that they're both on opposite shows. Kevin Owens is now the smartest guy on Monday Night Raw. Like There, there is something about the way Kevin Owens wrestles a match where even if he climbs in under the bottom rope on, on this side of the ring, I'm going to roll right back out the other side and, and just make you wait. I love the psychology of Kevin Owens' matches.
3: Just love it. You know, great, great in-ring technician there. And let's be honest here, you know, Braun's a big guy, but Kevin's pretty big himself, and he's and he's pretty athletic. Yeah, and he's believable that he could take it to Braun Strowman simply because
2: of his size and his right. athleticism.
3: And I think that's why we got the offense that we did here. I don't know if I'm, if I'm really feeling Ron in this match. I think it's another case of they don't really have anything to do with him right now, so they're just going to involve him here and try to get some big spots out of him, have a little fun. It is something you don't have to have him go over in because there's so many other factors to come into play.
2: Uh, one thing I did notice in this match, and maybe I just plain completely missed it, you know, Every time Finn Balor comes out, Mitchell Cole makes a comment. The first universal champion. How come we never talk about Kevin Owens as being a former universal champion?
3: Well, I think, you know, in case of Kevin, you have other things to talk about. But well, then there, there is that. that.
2: There is that. There is. The, well played. They're well played. Um, I still feel like we're on the path to the Kevin Owens babyface turn which just adds to the narrative that Roman Reigns is turning heel because I don't think there's any way you can turn Kevin Owens baby face on the same roster as Roman Reigns and expect Roman Reigns to be cheered.
3: Yeah. And you need, you're right. You need that equal switch, you know, that equal switch out. I, I, I actually, I, I love the segment backstage. You know, you can tell Kevin's actually, he's hurting. He's mad he got so many emotions going on there. The last thing he wants to deal with is Sammy. And Sammy's just sitting there just trying to manipulate his way around the situation, around what happened at Backlash, uh, and trying to get his own butt covered coming up in the main event. And another thing, you know, a lot of people were talking about, Kevin gave him, yeah, yeah, I'll be there, I got gotcha. you. Kevin wasn't there. Never showed up. Never showed up.
2: Uh, I think the other thing that's important here that adds to my Kevin Owens babyface turn, Roman Reigns heel turn, how many times have we seen Braun Strowman mindlessly murder Kevin Owens at this point? Three, four? Something uh, I like that?
3: F- what, three, four weekly?
2: <laughs> yeah. All that's doing is putting sympathy on Kevin Owens. Because at a certain point, you're starting to feel bad for KO. Like, what in the hell did he do to deserve this? We were asking that Sunday after Backlash. What did he do to deserve that post-match beatdown? Match would have been over if it wasn't for Kevin Owens. And then he gets the shit kicked out of him for continuing the match. It's interesting. They're putting a lot of sympathy on Owens and that character is starting to turn. It's starting to turn. Uh, Let's talk about Jeff Hardy and the Miz. Uh, Pretty good match goes about 20 minutes. I thought it was a little bit long for a TV match. Um, But I mean, you know, again, It's Jeff Hardy versus The Miz. You've got two of the best in the business. I expected a good match. I thought Jeff Hardy looks like shit for even being in a Money in the Bank qualifying match after Seth Rollins comes out and says, I don't care about Money in the Bank. This is the title. Jeff Hardy comes out opening up SmackDown. Yeah, I have the U.S. championship. I cover it with my t-shirt during my entrance, so nobody really knows that I'm the United States champion. I'm going after the big boy belt because this is a piece of shit that doesn't really
3: matter. I think what it was saved. It you're right to an extent where it does. In comparison, it looks bad. You know, one champ really respects his his title, where the other is just using it. It what it appears maybe you know a leapfrog. It would have made a lot more sense somewhere somehow before this match if they would explain something to us. You know, maybe Jeff's talking about yeah. You know what? This thing is the Premier Championship, uh, and maybe it doesn't make all the sense to the world, but he somehow explains how he would like to be a dual champion or he wants to unify these championships, something like that. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you.
2: Um, anything to say about the match? I mean, it it was just the Miz being the Miz and Jeff Hardy getting eliminated because he's holding a championship and shouldn't be in the money in the
3: bank. I I tend to agree with you. This match, it went on too long. I mean, it was a good match, but it was just too long. Yeah, it's a good match. That's, that's great. But, for television, it's so hard to stay geared up and really tuned in and focused when you're running through. I mean, not just one commercial break, just like two commercial breaks. Yep. And even I know they stick. They stuck with it during the second commercial break. I don't like that. You still tune out because you still have the, com- the commercial is what grabs your, grabs your attention, and that's what you're listening to, and we are just conditioned when commercials come on, it's either a flip away or turn your attention elsewhere.
2: Yeah, that picture-in-picture picture thing, like when they first started doing it, I thought, oh, this is kind of a cool gimmick. I'd like to see how this works out for them. I don't like it.
3: I don't like it. I. It's been long enough now. I don't like it. Even if it keeps me tuned in the USA, I still turn my attention elsewhere. You know, I see what's going on in a in live discussion or, you know, what's – you know, I go check out another website, or what's going on on the sheet, something like that. I, I still don't. I just don't sit there and stare and try to, you know, focus in at that little silent box up there.
2: And you can change that, and you know how you change it because they almost did it this week. They almost did it this week. Miz actually went for a pinfall. They're, they never do anything when they go to that
3: break. Oh, see, I even missed that because I did, I literally did. I wasn't paying any attention
2: there. Miz had a believable near fall. That would help have one of those matches actually end during the commercial break. And then suddenly, oh shit, I actually have to pay attention to this when they go to commercial. Yeah, ROH well, did something like that I a wonder, couple of weeks. I wonder ago. how much
3: people would freak out if they ended a match at commercial.
2: ROH did something like that a couple of weeks ago, and I wish the WWE would do it more. And I thought it was hilarious because Roh, as we all know, is taped television, right? But Ian Rickabani goes on this tangent to try to make you think that you're actually watching live TV. He's like, all right, friends, we'll be right back. No producers are telling me we, the action is so intense. We are going to stay with this match. And then a little bit later as things die down. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Give me something. So it feels live. I mean, WWE, they go to commercial break, you know, What's going on in the ring there is nothing more than headlocks and rest holds. They're waiting to get back from break. It's a Samoa Joe
3: versus Roman Reigns match. (laughs) You know what would be kind of interesting? Like if you had like a decisive decision where it's like up in the air, what's happening? And then go to the break. We don't know what happened. Right. So I, I'm going to sit through the commercial to make sure I don't miss the announcement when we come back.
2: Heaven forbid that you give me 15 cliffhangers, you know, to keep me tuned into the show. Maybe you wouldn't average 400,000 people turning out your show over the course of show. Uh, the show. The only other uh, individual man that I wanted to talk about on this show would be Bobby Lashley. Uh, what?
3: What was that, man? I, I there's been mixed emotions out there on this thing. And I, I kind of defended it. Uh, I do have to admit, I, I kind of skimmed through it because a lot of what they were presenting, I already knew. And one of my arguments about what they're throwing out there now is they should have been doing something like this the entire time. We have wasted a complete month with this individual. It,
2: it's It was just so weird. Like, I, I, I understand it. They're trying to lay a baseline for this character because there's a lot of people who do not know who Bobby Lashley is. I understand that. I completely get that. If this was part one of a six-part series like they did with Roderick Strong down in NXT to get to know Roderick Strong, okay. But if this was a standalone like, sit-down interview, that sucked
3: balls. Well, how did it actually end? I mean, there, was there like an open in it where we could have another one, or is this a case of where everything red and blue? It's the uh, we it's the sixty second Booker. Oh, this is something that worked great if you draw it out, but we do, we have to we have to cram it all in right away.
2: Yeah, it's just it was weird. Like, I mean, I guess they could keep it going, but it's so weird because like Bobby Lashley sitting there talking about his family. He's talking about his sisters and you know coming up with his sisters. And yet it feels so scripted and not authentic at all. Like they took all of the emotion out of Bobby Lashley and just turned him back into the robot that Bobby Lashley was before he left the
3: WWE. Like all of that character was just gone. Okay. And so see if that's the vibe, then that's that they're, they're completely going in the wrong direction here. I, I kind of skipped through it. I didn't watch raw there in the original run. I caught it the next day. So it was I had the the luxury of hitting the fast forward a little bit. And I saw some of the, 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 the photos they were showing. They were things that I knew about him. It's like they need to bring these out. We need to know about, you know, how his athletic background, his MMA background, his military upbringing, his military service, you know, what drives him, what makes him this upper echelon, you know, professional athlete, just not professional wrestling, but in the entire world. We need to see that there. I know they got a little heat because they didn't include his most famous moment in WWE uh, from his first run, which is obviously involves our current president, Donald Trump. They're getting a little heat for that, but did people really expect them to do that? There's no way they're touching that.
2: Well, I felt the same way. I, I saw some people in the and media discussion group. Oh, heaven forbid that you say anything about what he did at impact. Why in the fuck would they? Right. Like, they never have with AJ Styles. Why in the hell do you think they're going to with I, I, I Bobby Lashley? I don't understand Lashley.
3: why people still get upset or expect them to do something along those lines right now. They didn't do it for Kurt Angle. They didn't do it for Sting. They don't do it for AJ Styles. Yeah, like, and, and, seriously, and when they actually, actually, when they show a glimpse of it or make up just a brief mention of it or of New Japan, people just completely freak out like it's the greatest thing in the world.
2: And they never say New Japan Pro Wrestling. They might say iwgp heavyweight champion but they never say njpw or new japan pro wrestling
3: yeah i mean up to this point people should know uh how the company operates it's no big surprise here
2: yeah it's like come, not, come, come down off, off the soapbox we, we we've heard this soapbox for literally eons you know guess what else they didn't do talk about rick flair's time in wcw
3: I mean, the come one on. thing. Yeah. When he came in, he was the real world's champion. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that about was NWA it. W.A. or WCW. It was just that he was out there doing it in other places that Hogan wasn't.
2: Yep. But they ain't going to tell you where they are.
3: I mean, come on. The only thing I wish they would do uh, that kind of pertains, doesn't kind of pertain, it exactly pertains to Impact Wrestling, just lift that whole, uh, what what was the camp that he is in for MMA? Um, America's top, top team. team. American top team, just lift that whole angle. Yeah. Just bring that whole thing over and do it over again on your platform with your production uh, and your larger stage.
2: Um, you know, I, and, and people are kind of irritated that they're not talking about Bellator too. Um, I actually think that's a good thing because when you say MMA, people think of the UFC. When you say UFC, they think of MMA. Just like when you say pro wrestling, they think of the WWE. Yes. Bellator. Uh,
3: wants, people Eddie don't know what
2: there. Bellator is, guys. I, I understand inside your little bubble, inside the MMA bubble, everybody talks about Bellator. Outside of the MMA bubble, nobody knows what Bellator is.
3: Uh, it's it's just like when we go out and someone asks us, what do we do? And we mentioned that I, I do a podcast for professional wrestling. Oh, you mean WWE. Yep. They immediately think of Hulk Hogan. When someone like you know. a, a Papadon or Ben Hamid or Stevie Richards go out, what do you do? I'm a pro wrestler. Oh, that WWE stuff. Yep.
2: Yep. That's immediately where their brain goes. And you want to know when you're over, when those people know who the fuck you are.
3: When Jargo goes, I have to be up at 530 in the morning to watch wrestling. WWE has a show on at 530 in the morning? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, trying to explain
2: to people that I watch pro wrestling from like I've got to the point where
3: I got to the point where you know it is other we cover other things. There's other promotions. We do a lot of work with Ring of Honor, and I'm trying. I got a big interview lined up. Jargo and I, we're going to interview one of the tag team champs. Oh, that Hardy guy? No, (laughs) he's a yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It, you just you give up, yes, yes. I am interviewing uh the hardy tag team guy from WWE, yes, whatever the <laughs> hell, whatever you think in your mind,
2: yep, whatever, whatever you think. So let's uh let, let, let's flip it over to the uh women's division and toss it over to the jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex. Introducing new
1: softer Kleenex tissue now in prettier packages. Sometimes a little change can make a big difference, Kleenex. Doctor
2: rick what did you do what did you Dude, do did you see this report coming out i i hear charlotte's having problems rick what did you oh, do man I, you
3: scared me there for a moment what did you do you, you know I, I thought you'd come in here trying to make a, a joke make make sight of this thing uh, i just want everyone out there if, if we could have just a, a moment of silence really to just to just just really reflect on the excellence that is Charlotte Flair, and just and just wish her well. Uh, this is a this is a, a major undertaking for her, uh, and you know really, you know I I feel sorry that you know that she's going to be on the sidelines. She has to deal with this, uh, but I I really feel sorry for for those that are going to miss her in action.
2: Retrospective moment of silence for one of Charlotte Flair's fake boobs. <laughs> Um. So on this show, we had Charlotte Flair versus Peyton Royce. Charlotte going over. Um. What did you think of the match? Are, are how do you how, more so? I mean, how are you feeling about Peyton Royce at this point? Because I mean, we all know that your precious Shar Shar is. You know, your precious Shar Shar. She is the alpha female of the WWE. I will absolutely give you that. We all know how good Charlotte
3: is. Uh, The alpha is even having trouble getting decent matches out of these girls.
2: Yeah, it it feels really rough, man. Really rough. Uh,
3: I don't know if they're ready to be working on this level. The girls got something going on. You know, people who are paying attention to them through their promo work. uh, There again, that's always up in the air. Less is more when they're talking. They're good on that 30 to 45 seconds on the way of the ring. When they got to cut that two to five minute, it, it gets a little a little hard to stomach. I thought that this week was
2: the high end of the spectrum. That, like They didn't cross over to grabbing my remote, fast forward, change the channel. But they were right at that threshold. That was about all I can stand of them working the mic.
3: I think they're they're trying to find that nice little blend with them right now. Yep. I know, you know, with the looks, with their act, they want that to be featured. I just think that they're in over their heads working with someone that high up the card.
2: They're they're more of a less is more snappy one liners. They're not fifteen minute talkers.
3: I I don't know where they should have went with these girls. I think they just I think they threw them into the pool too fast into the deep end.
2: See, I don't think they threw them into the pool too fast at all. I mean, I, I felt like Iconic was ready to come up. We talked about them coming up for months. I, I'm okay
3: with them coming up to SmackDown. I just don't think they should be out there featured with Sharsha right now. Well, I and agree. I get the logic. I get the logic. You want to put them out there with the best uh, to hopefully cover up some of that where they can play to their strengths. Uh, but we've already seen here in the month that they've been up here that... that they are even just the best, overwhelmed, man. The best on that brand can't make them look good it seems like they're, they're just like a step behind in the ring
2: yeah yep yep i completely agree uh somebody who is not a step behind in the ring of course charlotte qualifies for money in the bank by the way she's i believe both rick and i's picked to win this thing really want to see charlotte with that briefcase
3: Well, and what's hey we don't even know you know hopefully she's going to go on this tour and then have the repair done Hopefully it doesn't keep her out of action too long. Luckily, we still have almost a month after they return from this tour for her to heal up. She's already qualified. And I think this was the timing there for her. Let's get her in this match real quick. Is she even going on the tour? She is. She is going to work the tour and then have uh, the surgery done. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh,
2: Let's talk about somebody who uh, worked on Tuesday night, even though we didn't really see her, aside from one of those god-awful selfie promos. Um, And that being Asuka, Uh, Asuka versus DeVille got the dark match before the show. What the fuck are we doing with Asuka? I mean, you know, we we said when Charlotte beat Asuka, the biggest thing was going to be the follow up. It should be Asuka coming out and reestablishing herself that she is still a threat, even though she lost one match to Charlotte Flair. Instead, we have gotten Asuka with her tail tucked between her legs, basically off television. Oh, yeah, she was in a tag match that she lost, too. Like, Asuka feels like such an afterthought now. They have dropped this ball completely.
3: Uh, they have. There's. You're going to get no argument from me there. And this, I guess this falls back, you know, what you kind of brought up. That entire month after Mania is such a mess. And you really take out that all of the women – were really pushed that back burner because they weren't involved at the Greatest Royal Rumble. And there was such so a great focus there. That's a good that point. unless you were pretty much like a champion, there wasn't anything for you.
2: Yep, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. The women the entire women's division just feels flat ever since then.
3: Well and you're seeing fans now starting to take notice of this. I've noticed this on in a few discussion groups and mainly over in the Hameen Media Discussion group, we've got a couple threads where you know people are asking about certain talents and the division as a whole, it just seems th- not that it's flat, but some people are, are truly worried that it's it, that it might be regressing. Well, you know
2: what happens to marketing campaigns? They come to an end, and then you move on to the next marketing campaign. The women's revolution was fun.
3: Now you're going to get Carmella and Mandy Rose. Well, here's here was the issue with this, and someone had mentioned yeah, they were kind of worried that that there is more of an emphasis because you have people like Carmela and, and Mandy Rose. They're worried that it's more about looks there. The fact of the matter is this is still show business. They're oh, still in an advertising form. Uh, there's going to be expectations for physical features and attractions. Sex always sells. Even when they were shilling evolution, revolution, evolution, whatever you want to call it, even when they were shilling that, the ladies today actually wear skimpier ring gear than they did during the so-called, you know, the the dark days of the Divas division. Yep. I'm sure you we're not having brawn panty matches, but if you just look at their actual ring gear, there it's a much more skimpier than it ever has been in the past.
2: I think the, and then also the issue becomes the fucking hypocrisy of it when WWE wants to sit there and pat themselves on the back for the women's revolution and look at what we're doing for the women and yay women. And then they turn around and they give Mandy Rose a soft focus and porn music on her way to the ring. And Corey Graves just sits there and says things that would get him fired from any
3: other job on the face of the planet. It it almost like he was like, he was kind of channeling, not even a a Jerry, the King lawler. If anyone has ever listened to, I mean, if you listen to Jim Cornette, if you listen to Pritchard, if you've really listened to anyone that was around WWE uh, in that time frame of, of Sable and Sonny, I mean Vince Russo and Vince McMahon, two grown men were just walking around like dogs with their tongues, you know, just on the floor all the time over Sable. I mean, that's how Corey Graves was during that Mandy Rose match.
2: Yeah, it, it was a it was a bit nauseating. Like, I was telling Jersey Mike, I, I, and I told him, I was like, if Corey Graves had any other job on the face of the planet and was talking about a female co-worker like that, that's one call to HR, and you're
3: done, kid. Well, if, if Mandy Rose can get it half right in the ring, and I think she will sky's the limit for her they're they're gonna strap a rocket to her
2: yeah uh here's my issue my my issue with Mandy Rose literally this week has nothing to do with Mandy Rose what the hell are we doing with Becky Lynch
3: well look before we jump right in that real one real quick another another huge issue with this women's evolution you and I have constantly complained about this everyone thought oh this is so fantastic it's history they're they're on the evil even playing field was, okay, that's great. You're doing this all too fast. They ran everything out there in a year and a half. There's nothing now to look forward to. They've overexposed their own evolution. Well, and now, and now,
2: they finally have all four of the UFC horsewomen in-house. The other two have reported to the Performance Center. That's great. You know what the problem is? Because of their shitty booking I honestly believe that if you put Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, Bailey, and Sasha Banks on one side of the ring, my money's on Shayna Baszler on the other side of the ring. Forget oh, yeah. Rousey, forget Schaefer, forget the other one. I will put my money on Baszler to whip all four of those women's asses because of their
3: shitty booking. Uh, and and here's your issue. Here's another issue. It's it's WWE thinks that we don't care. We're not gonna remember. And the problem is a good majority of the marks. They're going to buy into this thing. We're in the Jersey Mike segment. I'll use him as an example. He's probably going to get overly excited. I mean, Kleenex stock is going to go through the roof for this one uh, just because they're going to run out a marquee that says horsewomen versus horsewomen. You should love this. But in reality, they have absolutely destroyed the originals, their own horsewomen. Yeah, they destroyed their own
2: horsewomen with shitty booking. Like when is the last time Becky Lynch won a
3: match? Oh, and when we're talking about Rusev going over clean, obviously was the shock of, the, of WWE programming this week. But th- this right here was an incredible shock. It was another one where I can't believe that happened. Like I cannot, I cannot sincerely
2: remember the last time Becky Lynch won a match.
3: Uh, she's become the fall guy. Uh, that was the whole reason she was in that tag match with Asuka. So, you know, Asuka's team could still go down without Asuka having to take a pin there.
2: I mean, they took away her pyro. And her pyro was nothing more than smoke coming up out of the stage,
3: and yeah, somehow, a lot of people notice that right away. Uh, I think that they're really pulling back on her. The, the problem with Becky is Ray. Right when I were talking about this, she is she looks like a superstar. She's great in the ring. She's one of the I described this match in my lead-in on Tuesday night. You know, speaking of beautiful women, this match featured probably two of the most beautiful women in all the company. Yep. The I think the real problem is. I, I, if I offend anyone here, I am. T- I completely sorry, but it's a it's a harsh reality. It's Becky accent. has everything going for her except when she opens her mouth.
2: It's the accent. Yep. And you know what the funny thing is? Becky has such a weird, quirky personality. Like, here's a girl who actually has taken acting classes. She has actually starred in TV shows. She even took clown. She's taken mime. She knows what the fuck she's doing. They just don't give her anything. When was What was the last program Becky Lynch was a part of?
3: Uh, that, that wasn't just like a multi-woman cluster? I couldn't even tell you. I couldn't even really tell you that one. I can't remember if she's had anything of significance to do.
2: The only thing that you know about Becky Lynch is she's the first ever SmackDown Live women's champion. But I couldn't even tell you uh, who took I, that I say off say that's of the last time
3: she's had anything of significance.
2: Yeah. it's And that was like two years ago. It's well, It's ridiculous. You know, we're,
3: talking, we're talking about Becky. The issue is when she goes to speak. Oh, my God. How bad was uh, the Oscar Money in the Bank selfie promo?
2: I, it was so bad, I wasn't even going to talk about it. Because I, just, I have all, nothing good all to all say. All those Money in the Bank selfie mean,
3: promos were bad. But this is the one that they decided... Well, they brought back the, uh, let's pop the words up on the screen for Oscar. Yep. Yep. 1966. It's Batman. Oh, it was so bad.
2: Then on Raw, we have Ember, Sasha, Ruby, and Rick. I I, I said earlier that we have one of those uh, no DQ kind of things that plays in here. Why in the hell wouldn't Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan just jump in the ring with Ruby Riot, beat the shit out of Ember Moon and Sasha Banks. It's no DQ and you're at ringside.
3: Immediately, I was checked out. Yep. Uh, and it's all down because they want to do a little business furthering furthering Sasha and Bailey. We wait for that big payoff, but you're right. I mean, the logic says that if you come in with a game plan, You've got a three-on-two advantage. Just go ahead and waste everybody. Uh, and all three of you sit on one girl so Ruby gets the pin. Yep.
2: Duh. The match was fine. Uh, I Although, th- I, I have found this terrible flaw inside WWE logic, all right? If you want to do triple threat matches so often, please, for the love of God, learn how to do a triple threat match. A triple threat match is three people in the ring all fighting one another. It's not two guys in the ring with one guy taking a nap at ringside, and then he gets in the ring and one of the other guys gets out of the ring and goes and takes a nap at ringside, and you all alternate until everybody gets their chance. That's not how triple threat matches work, guys. It's supposed to be three guys fighting each other.
3: They don't even know that dynamic. Wait till this ladder match. You're going to have that same thing. You'll have two or three in the ring while five or six are out doing rest spots. That's
2: the problem. WWE does these matches so often and you get three people and then they try to turn it into a singles match. Right. You're just missing the whole freaking point here. Missing the whole point. Uh, Very happy that Ember Moon went over here. At least now I will remember that she is on Monday Night Raw. Um, I'm really liking Ember on the main roster, man. Uh, The entrance seems so much cooler. The music seems so much cooler with the big production and everything. Um, I like the Eclipse, as long as you have somebody in the ring who can take it and make it look good. What do you see as her ceiling here?
3: I'm going to say they've got got six weeks to figure out her character, to get something going, or she'll go right back down the rung. Or just go right down back down the ladder.
2: Um, and please stop calling people goddesses. Like, I don't need a war goddess and the goddess.
3: I thought and... her promo was a little campy.
2: Yeah, but how much of that is just the script? Because you know, I mean, somebody like Ember Moon, she has no clout. They hand her a piece of paper
3: and that's what she is saying. Well, I understand that, but if you want someone to succeed, you have to have all these factors working together to to make this work here.
2: Yeah, I just well, I just think the writing on the main roster is just god awful. Just god awful. Uh look, old,
3: old Rufio, Moon.
2: Let's uh let's talk a little bit about the tag division because uh there's only a little to talk about because once again, the tag division just not being showcased whatsoever at this point. Um I almost wondered if we were going to have a tag team money in the bank. I mean, why why is Rizongo cutting money in the bank promos. Why is the Ascension cutting money in the bank promos? Like, I almost wondered if they were entertaining the idea of doing a tag team money in the bank.
3: Is that something that would interest you whatsoever? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm actually, I don't even like that. There's a men and a women's. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'd be okay if money in the bank just went away. I think it's a gimmick that's played out. I do. I do realize that there's still a great deal of excitement out there for many of fans uh, around the gimmick. So I see it's worth. But for me, again, I'd just be like adding another title. Uh, There's no reason for this thing, especially, I mean, you talk about the women's division being in decline uh, and being maybe even regressing back to its joke form. Uh, This is, you know, outside, I mean, it's got incredible talent, but the attention, uh, the importance paid onto it, this, I mean, this is just a flat out joke for both tag divisions.
2: So it sounds like we're going to get, Uh, The New Day versus The Bar next week on SmackDown Live. And the winning team, one person gets to join in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, It's kind of come out that Big E is going to be that one person. My question here is, is Big E ever going to be able to recover from the New Day? Are are, are we ever going to be able to take Big E seriously again? Or is Big E just completely... Typecast, stereocast at this point.
3: I I think you can you can still save where they're going, but he just has to be completely away from New Day.
2: Yeah, you got to turn him heel and turn him into a badass and the hell. And with I don't even know if it's so
3: necessary. He's got to be healed, or like I, maybe not. He does turn, but not necessarily where he destroys the other two members. No, no, I just want to see him destroy the roster. If he no, if he just like went to raw i mean he has to be away from these guys yeah i, I still go to I, i'd love to see where they don't really break up but they all go different ways leave like kofi over on smackdown where he seems to fit in better with that main event crowd biggie fits over bigger you know better in the in the bigger land of the giants on raw and then let xavier go help you know bolster that character the characters that are much needed on 205 yeah because
2: goddamn what's as good in the ring God damn, Woods is good in the
3: ring. You know, I, I forget that he can go in the ring sometimes, and then he goes out there and, and reminds you. So good for him, you know. Those last couple of weeks in there. Uh, see to me, uh, but I don't know if Big E's that right choice, you know. Especially because we got Braun already in there. It's just see it screams to me, you know, Kofi to get in there for a big spot.
2: You mean you don't want to see Big E throw pancakes at Braun Strowman?
3: I, I was talking to bq over in the uh maybe you i think you were involved in oh well, i think it was the news of this rumor that biggie would be going there uh but bq and i got into a little side conversation and he was like you remember a time when people tuned in for this and i mentioned i said yo fonzie jumped the shark uh new day threw pancakes from their asses yep uh, and that's where everything went downhill
2: yep yep pretty much yeah that, that gimmick is dead that gimmick is dead. Uh, speaking of dead gimmicks, the hell are the Bludgeon Brothers doing, man?
3: Oh, that was so bad. With that the toys?
2: One, yes. I'm just weird and not good. Not good. I feel like the entire tag division is just killing time for NXT to catch up. Like, dear God, can we please bring in already? Because this tag division is... Basically non-existent It's so non-existent that on this show The only tag match Was a singles match Between Xavier Woods and Cesaro Who is who I would really like to see In the Money in the Bank ladder match I would love to see Cesaro in that match
3: No mention of Sanity this week as well
2: Well they had like a little vignette But that was it Did bit.
3: they? Yeah. I missed it then I must have been Russian Breaker, break or refilling well, the drink
2: But it was another like one that. of those things Where you know This was a tight show you got 30 seconds worth of vignette time on this show, you were doing pretty good. Because, I mean, there were guys like Big Cass and Samoa Joe not even on this show.
3: You know, it's almost, it comes down to, if if, what you've got, kind of your main event scenes on each are very strong. Each brand are very strong. Uh, Then that upper echelon of your mid-card title is very strong. Then outside of that, like your men's lower talents, your women's divisions, and your tag divisions are so weak. It's almost as if each brand should have either the tag or the women. So you can just bolster, you know, what's leading up into, you know, your IC title, U.S. title pictures and your top championship pictures on each show.
2: As far as the tag division on Raw goes, there's really only three teams worth talking about at this point. Uh, the Deleters of Worlds take on DNA. I, I, I did like your your pitch for the DNA name on your uh, review with uh yeah. big ray at one Wrestling. Oh, it looks like we're gonna
3: and... get stay tuned no
2: nah, i don't like that dna dna that one's great. good
3: and you know and ray asked what's that stand for i said nothing it's, it's in their
2: dna it's in their dna yep i like that um i'm also really liking the show really liking the show ziggler and uh drew mcintyre please god put the titles on these guys because i really like them
3: we actually have some potential with the raw division there really is. You've got, I think you could You could really up DNA. You could, you know, maybe they're not ever your champs, but you, they could get to a point where they're threats, or at least they're out there putting on some good matches because they're both great talents. They could challenge at least. You've got, even in your current champs, you've got great characters. You've got great potential for oddity acts with uh, anything that, that Bray and, and Hardy can come up with. You still got AOP sitting there. If you could ever get your head out of your ass with the revival, you've got great technicians there that could add a different flavor. Uh, And of course, like you just mentioned, I I know you were kind of hesitant at first. I'm glad you're coming around. Man, They're getting it it right. They're getting it right here with Ziggler and McIntyre.
2: The only thing that they're still getting wrong is that goddamn record scratch at the beginning of freaking Ziggler's music. That is just obnoxious. Just ridiculous. ridiculously obnoxious and it makes no sense makes no sense
3: yeah they're just they're just trying to keep playing on to something that doesn't need to be there but how cool is it the, the imagery when drew comes out and they get that low shot of him standing there waiting for ziggler man he he looks unbelievable
2: i've been telling you man drew mcintyre is the man
3: I, I i'm with you this guy is your future yep i, I mean if this guy is Get your get your head out of your ass here. This guy should be headlining WrestleMania next year.
2: And you know, this is the thing that's so goddamn frustrating about Roman Reigns. Because do you remember when Drew McIntyre was signed the first time and they dubbed him the Chosen One? Because Vince was so up on Drew McIntyre and people shit all over Drew McIntyre. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, please listen to me. You were right, Vince. It was Drew. It's always been Drew. Just go with Drew. It's not Roman Reigns. It's Drew McIntyre. You were right the entire time. You were right. Please stop with Roman Reigns and go with Drew McIntyre. Because you were right, Vince.
3: You were right. God, I can hope. I can hope. You know, it's all. It, it kind of reminds me of li- listening to or watching Honor Club last night. They, they, had, the commentary did great. I know we're going to jump really into the show here on the second half of our program, but the commentary team did a great job of kind of explaining uh, certain dynamics, pan, uh, and they kept putting over the excursion. Yeah, and how people went away and came back bigger stars. If that's what you have here with Drew McIntyre, yeah,
2: it absolutely is, and Drew just looks like a. Badass. He's Everything so believable. he's doing is,
3: is working, man. Uh, his presentation, his, the way he moves, uh, his in-ring, the way he speaks, just his presence. He has it, and it's it's crazy. It's uh, he's got such he's got so much it that it's elevated Ziggler where his it is shining.
2: Yeah, I know. I was so worried that. Dolph Ziggler was going to pull Drew McIntyre down and it has been exactly the opposite effect. McIntyre is definitely pulling Ziggler up. Um, and And I like the dynamic because Ziggler can sell his ass off. He can work his ass off. He's always been able to. But Ziggler getting beat down and then making the hot tag to Drew and Drew coming in and just pummeling people. Yes, please. Very much enjoy that. Because unlike the tag team of Lashley and Strowman, I like seeing Ziggler get his ass kicked. It's believable that people would kick Ziggler's ass. He can sell his ass off. He's not Bobby Lashley, who is built like a brick shit house and just getting the shit kicked out of him by Sami Zayn because he's got to sell so that the Strowman hot tag works. Terrible dynamic. Does not work. Whatsoever. Um, let, us let, talk about the WWE championship, even though there's, there's not really a whole lot to talk about. Uh, you had the Nakamura promo, you had the styles promo. Uh, I, I, I loved the Nakamura promo. I popped like crazy for the Nakamura promo. I thought it was funny. I don't think it's the promo that Shinsuke Nakamura needed to cut. I thought it was great. I thought it was humorous as hell talking about AJ's nuts, but so is he. It, it, it was cool. It was well timed. It was well written. It was well produced. It's just not the promo I wanted out of Shinsuke Nakamura right now.
3: I, I'm, sh- you know, we've got six weeks of build here. I don't know if I should just check out on this program or, or give it it give it a chance. <sighs> I, I really am having a hard time coming to terms with two of arguably the most talented individuals in the world being reduced to a, a a game of grab dick. Yeah. Yep. I mean, how are we going to keep these two away from each other's crotches over the next six weeks? Well, much
2: like uh, we did not talk about Nia Jax because she wasn't really on the show. Is there really a need for the champions to really be around right now? Like, I don't miss Brock Lesnar because we're qualifying for Money in the Bank. If AJ took a couple of weeks off and, 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 by association, Nakamura wasn't around for a couple of weeks, I'm fine with that because we've got enough other shit going on with the Money in the Bank qualifying matches.
3: I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm completely fine with uh, with certain championships taking off shows. You know, like Backlash, we didn't have any uh, tag team championships on the line. Right. Uh, no one missed it because... Those divisions are so terrible. Oh, but you've got you've got two huge gimmick matches at this show. Uh, you're, you're probably going to have Seth out there. You're probably going to have Jeff out there. I think you could probably survive with those two, and it, just those two. Leave the women and your men's champions off of there.
2: Well, like we said on SmackDown this week, no Samoa Joe, no Randy Orton, no Big Cass. Like it's okay to leave people off of the shows you can still have a pretty tight, decent show. You know, just next week, let's flip out, you know, Big Cass and Samoa Joe, and we take off AJ and Nakamura. I'm not going to miss them one week. I really won't, if you got enough other stuff going on. Uh, So right now we have Strowman, Balor, Miz, and Rusev. The women's, we only have Ember and Charlotte. I'm a little surprised that we have that dynamic kind of messed up right now, especially when we actually had... Multiple women's matches on both shows Why we didn't just do qualifying matches um, You think this Balance is out next week And so we're, we're, we're left with Six and six and then We have our last chance qualifiers
3: Oh man I, I What do you say last chance I hope It's not second chance it's just the values everything We've had up to that point but uh, Yeah I can see it bouncing out and I'm okay if they mix it up You know we've got a little more heavy on one side Than the other I'm perfectly okay with that.
2: You know, that's that's a good point you brought up there. Yeah, let's call it last chance, not second
3: chance. No, I I hope that if you have not won a qualifier for whatever reason, you didn't win. Um, Because Roman Reigns could make an argument. Hey, man, I got screwed, you know? Someone interfered.
2: Daniel Bryan could make an argument. Hey, I just got the shit kicked out of me by Big Cass a couple days before that. I'm surprised I was even cleared to compete.
3: Now, see, if Daniel Bryan did that, that, that goes against his character to me.
2: Well, okay, Paige could
3: say that. Yeah, she could come out and say, okay, we're going to give you one. We're going to uh, give you this say, opportunity
2: under the circumstances.
3: And he could be you know, very gracious in accepting that. Yep, I'm grateful. I, I just hope they don't, because I, I think it does more for Daniel Bryan and storyline-wise, if you can actually hype up that Cass is actually taking credit for this. Uh, it hypes up that story going forward. It, it does more there. I I am perfectly okay with Roman Reigns being out of this thing, and more so on the other side, I am A-okay with Sasha Banks not being involved in that match.
2: Who else do you put into the women's match at this point?
3: Uh, top, of my, top of my head here. Let's see for a fun match here. I, we've already got Charlotte in, right? Yep. We have Ember Moon in there. Yep. I think I'll put Asuka in. I want to go with my top talents in this match. Actually, I've got her in there. Um, I disagree on Oscar. Uh, I was kind of on the fence, but I, I just would put my top in there. Let me go. Let's see here, uh, Naomi. Okay. Uh, right now, it looks like the Direction are going. Is Mandy's going to get a spot there?
2: Okay, so that's your that's your SmackDown four.
3: Well, I've got five total. So you so need, need three you need more. Three right?
2: more from Raw.
3: I need three from Raw. That's where it gets a little tricky. If Bliss could go, uh, I think she needs to be there. Okay. And it does just get tricky to try to put people into this thing, doesn't it? Yeah. If you're not going to have Sasha from a storyline standpoint, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have Bailey, but I would put Bailey into the thing. Uh, Riot has already been eliminated from that equation. Correct. Uh, I would go with the vet. As I said, I want your best talents in there. i go with Mickey.
2: Aren't you doing Rousey and Mickey? At Money? That's what I would do. I mean, because if, if the goal is to get then, to Nick. Nat- then then I mean,
3: Natalia. Then Natalia.
2: Okay. I was going to say if the goal is to get to Natalia and Rousey by SummerSlam, I mean, I okay. would assume that you do Rousey and Mickey at Money in the Bank.
3: Then I'd have Natalia.
2: Okay. Interesting. Interesting.
3: Well, uh, you're right. I mean, it's just, they probably will because the lack of talent here. Uh, my, my issue
2: with Oscar being in money in the bank really has nothing to do with Oscar being in money in the bank. I think Oscar should be kicking off Carmela's head in about 10 seconds at money in the bank and taking that title. Um, and I also, I don't think that we want Oscar and Charlotte crossing paths again until Brooklyn. I don't, I don't think that you want to blow off Oscar Charlotte too in a multi woman ladder match.
3: How do you think you can keep them apart and still get away with those two going at it at SummerSlam? I'm just looking at the book, and we've got Oscar cutting Money in the Bank promos, and right now with what it looks like you know how how they're handling Carmella, I think we're going to get at a, a possibly an extended stretch here with her.
2: Well, that was deflating.
3: I, <laughs> I, I think it probably ends up like extreme rules. That's when I think that Oscar probably does that. And, and we get to set up somehow. We get to SummerSlam with, with Oscar versus Charlotte.
2: Uh, my problem then becomes if you put Oscar in the women's money in the bank, I don't like Oscar not winning another match. That's my problem there. So, Rick, what do you want to do? We're about an hour and a half into this goddamn thing. Should we just wait and do a ROH War of the World's Night One and Night Two review this weekend instead of adding on another segment to this show?
3: Uh, either way, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, I think I was thinking you know for maybe for the weekend show, we just kind of catch up on some just random news, um, some fun notes that are out there. Maybe we include some conversation from the group, something like that and just kind of have a, a relaxing weekend show to get back on the ball. After the hectic month where we took off a couple of weekends,
2: yeah. Um, why don't we do that? Let's 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 wait. We'll do um, over the weekend. We'll do a, a a bit of news, and we will do a review of War of the Worlds Night One and Night Two. Uh, War of the Worlds Night Two is shaping up to be a very good show. It's going to be airing live on uh, Honor Club it, Friday it, it, night.
3: If we're in an hour, only an hour and a half right now. You think I don't you- think we need to run. I don't think we need to run down match because match by match, there's not a whole lot to say. We just kind of hit the big notes if you want, and then we could gear up for you know gear up for the Friday show and then do a little news and notes for the weekend.
2: All right, fuck it. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go to a real quick break because I want to smoke a cigarette and oh. then.
3: Well, I don't even know if they got to even know we go to a break.
2: Well, no, but, no. Wait, 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 I'm just going to throw in the ROH bumper. That's going to be the break this
3: week. But I want a cigarette. So, well, uh, Breaking news. Breaking news here. Breaking news. U.S. Weekly is reporting that despite going on YouTube uh, and proclaiming that she has moved in with her sister, Bree, and husband, Daniel Bryan, uh, that Nikki Bella is still spending evenings with John Cena. Okay, so it's like we still got the dirty hookup.
2: So now that we know that that's going on, I can tell you exactly what the musical break is going to be here. It's a song called Click Click Boom. We'll be right back.
1: the pretty badass, Kelly Klein? I am in the locker room with Jargo and RBV. Avert your eyes and don't wait outside the locker room for me.
0: Hey, this is Stevie Richards I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12 week resistance fan training program.
3: Hey, what's up, you Melvins? It's your boy TKO Ryan, one third of the best six man tag team on the planet, The Kingdom. And you were listening to The Locker Room with RBV and Jargo.
2: So that was a word from our boy Stevie Richards and Stevie Richards Fitness. Check out Big Ray, man. Good God. That guy is just dropping weight like it's nothing. He's lost like a half a Big Ray. It's crazy. So let's uh, let's talk about War of the Worlds real quick. Uh, Lowell, Massachusetts. Cole Cabana. BJ Whitmer on commentary. Uh, Like you were saying, it it was kind of weird for me because it was like, oh, we have two color guys doing commentary.
3: Yeah, you you could tell at times. It took me a little bit to adjust to Colt, uh, but I, and I think you know he worked through. He he realized his own issues there, but they worked through it and th- they had some. They did some good things. You know, they explained you know to potential fans that weren't as familiar with New Japan. You know, about the talents, why they were so revered, what was important about them. They gave you a little history uh, about what was going on. He wasn't neither coming out without the Intercontinental Championship, they explained why. I really like BJ Whitmer as a color guy really
2: like BJ Whitmer as a, as a heel color commentator. He does a really, really nice job. Uh, Colt, Colt, I think does a, a fine job as the babyface color commentator. And I, I very much enjoyed the business they did with Colt Cabana and bully Ray. We'll talk about that here in just a
3: second. Yeah, definitely one of the highlights you're going in. This is one of those issues that, that you had mentioned over in the locker room, potentially about honor club. There's a lot of live event house show vibe here. And especially with so much content that we're getting already from all around the world of professional wrestling. I really wish that they would realize that. I'm sure that they think, well, we got to give everyone the value with with our content. I think the real way to do that, you know, to really create a buzz with it, it, less is more. Cap this off at at max uh, a hard two hours. Yeah. I don't need to see every match on this show. Have some dark matches for that the people that are in attendance there. Give us the, the meat and potatoes. I think they're they're throwing a
2: lot of shit against the wall, kind of seeing what sticks. Um, I wish they would just adopt the new Japan format where you know that an hour and a half into every show, there's going to be a 30 minute intermission. And then you can just tune in for the second half of the show. And that's where you do all your business. I mean, it, it's fine to have that house show vibe and have those house show kind of matches, but just do them for the live crowd. And, and if people want to watch them on honor club, they can, but don't be mixing in business. Cause they mixed in a lot of business throughout this entire show. But then with a lot of other stuff kind of in the middle,
3: but it's like slow burning businesses as well. It's not like something that's, There was some good stuff on this. Uh, There's some very good stuff on this. I'm sorry, but some of it's just not really crucial.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. And some of it, I just didn't like the presentation of looking at you, Dalton Castle.
3: Yeah, I would be completely okay if this is why NXT works. People have been praising last night's or this week's episode of of NXT. They really only did two things on that show in an hour's time, but it's only an hour and it makes you you crave more. Yep, exactly,
2: exactly. And it's a lot like in New Japan, when it comes to like the G1, when it comes to best of the super juniors, these are gonna be full length, three hour shows. You know what you do if you don't feel like watching three hours? You tune in for the last hour and a half because that's when all the tournament matches are gonna be. You tune in after intermission. And then you get to see the important shit. If you want to watch the house show stuff, great. If you don't, great. That's how I keep up with this stuff. I ain't got time to watch all these damn six-man tags. I'll just tune in, watch the tournament matches. Boom,
3: I'm good. Well, I was going to say, you could, you could definitely tell the New Japan influences. This is night one of the, the War of the Worlds tour. A lot of six-man action on this thing. Yep, lots of it.
2: Uh, let, let, let's kind of kick things off with the Briscoes versus Flippin' Liger. Not really anything to talk about here other than Flippin' Liger had him beat if Liger would just do his goddamn job. Bad Jusin' Liger. If he would have just cut Jay off, that match was over. Um,
3: there we go. Then it's will uh, it at that. I didn't even watch that match.
2: Well, I, I, I think the important thing here is I think this was a lot like the Rusev and Undertaker thing. Uh, Jushin Liger, of course, runs the New Japan Dojo. He is the greatest junior heavyweight of all time. Flip Gordon's getting ready for best of the super juniors. This was Flip putting in a showing for Jushin Liger. This is what I can do. This is what I'm capable of. I'm guessing Flip Gordon gets six points in the best of the
3: super juniors. Okay, so got so it did have a payoff for, for Flip here. Good yep. little rub for him.
2: Uh, then we have the uh, Women of Honor tag match: uh, Tenille Dashwood, Sumi Sakai going over Diana Perazzo and Skyler. It was by far the best Women of Honor tag match that I've seen. Uh, it was a little odd dynamic with Perazzo working heel, and really the only business here that was set up was Perazzo and Klein Sunday in
3: Chicago. Yeah, they, they set up uh, once again these two ladies. they they're. they're they're kind of just engulfed in this. It's a great little blood feud between these two. They're going to be. That's going to be at the television taping, correct? Yep. All right, Sunday so we, we've got, in Chicago. We've got that set up. Here's what I'm really taking away from the Women of Honor right now. And you are right. This was a. This was a good tag match. Uh, you've got Perrazzo, You've got Dashwood. Uh, you've got Sumi, and you've got Kelly. That is your division, pretty much. Everything, everyone else is just uh, so—it's just on a, on a different level. Yep. What you get outside of those four, there is such a decline in the quality of this product. Uh, Skylar is, is a great talent. I'm not trying to actually knock her. You could just tell she really didn't belong here.
2: Not, not uh, that's not on the level of Tennille Dashwood
3: and Deanna Peraza. Right. Right. But when you're structuring, uh, you've got four women in this division, and then the rest is just filler. And I think that's why maybe we're not quite to a point where there's more, more focus on it.
2: And I personally, I even feel like Dashwood and Perazzo are even a step above everybody else. Those two girls are the workhorses of the division, and they are going to carry the division, regardless of which one is the baby face, which one is the heel. I feel like the entire division should be built around Tamil Dashwood and Deanna Perrazzo. Are you as high on Perrazzo as I am?
3: Uh, I, I would. I'd have to agree with you. I think in in the ring, uh, she she's absolutely fantastic. Good flashes of her character work. You know, last time when, that, when they were on Honor Club, they didn't do her any favors by giving her a mic after she had just wrestled for 10 minutes. Yep, that's a bad idea uh, for anyone. It's a bad idea for anyone. But yeah, I, I totally agree. This match gets over because three of your four best are in here then we see Kelly who's also in that group she she joins in here later but like you say you know Kelly's still relatively green in comparison to parazo or Dashwood yeah she just doesn't as well that's
2: trained. not a knock on any of the rest of the talent that's just I, I feel like Dashwood and Perazzo are that much better right um Very anxious to see Perrazzo and Klein Sunday in Chicago. I'm anxious to see that match. Uh, Then we kind of had uh, the same issue that Backlash had. Dalton Castle comes out and cuts this promo, and it was like all downhill from there for me. It took me so out of the show. I am so over Dalton Castle. I'm over him and his world championship run that, as he pointed out, has went on for six freaking months now. We cannot get this title on Marty Skrull fast enough for me.
3: Yeah, something just really, I'm not as sour on him as you are quite yet, but something just really didn't click here.
2: He was throwing out croissants to the fucking crowd.
3: Uh, Immediately. the new day of Ring of Honor. I was going to say, that's what really killed this. Even if there was some other sort of significance to this, immediately, wrestling fans, your minds are going, you're turning to the new day. Uh, you've got three gentlemen out there that are, are kind of very flamboyant in nature. Yep. Uh, and now they are here throwing pastries out. He invited everyone for brunch. I'm actually over here on Wikipedia, looking up Lowell, Massachusetts to see if, if there's some kind of like the, the croissant capital of the East coast or something like that, that we don't know about, uh, but whatever the case may have been, uh, it, it reminds you of new day. And it, and with the production and just the execution, it was a, a very it was a poor man version.
2: Well, and the thing was, this is where it really missed for me. All right. It was house showy and then it got serious. And then it went back to the house show bullshit. And it just, it, it completely took me out of the context. Like the middle part of this promo was really the meat and potatoes of the promo. Dalton Castle is injured. He's not defending the Ring of Honor World Championship here tonight. It very much almost felt like a heel promo from Dalton Castle, which would make sense in Lowell, Massachusetts, home of the kingdom, literally.
3: Uh, but he was really, he was overly trying to stress. I'd love to be here for you. I'm sorry. They're just not letting me do this.
2: Yeah. I'm checked out on Dalton Castle. What, what I, I we don't even know how long Dalton Castle is going to be out.
3: Well, I guess that's just, the the next thing. I was going to say. I, I know you're you're kind of going to transition here. You got Taven who is in his hometown. You've got the Kingdom conspiracy. How much does this play into this? This is great fuel that we would see Taven use later in this show uh, to you know kind of manipulate and trying to cha- shake up the card here. It's going to be very interesting to see if Castle goes tomorrow night in Toronto because he's involved in a big, is it eight-man or six-man tag?
2: Yeah, we're going to talk about the uh, Toronto card as, as we come out of this uh, just because I'm, I'm curious to see. This is the advertised card. I'm curious to see what we actually get in Toronto. Um, yeah, you were talking about Matt Taven. He comes out with uh, Vinny and our boy TKO cuts his promo. And this was by far the best promo that I can remember Matt Taven cutting in a very long time. Uh, We've kind of talked about how this program has really been going on for four months. For four months, Matt Taven has been asking for his Ring of Honor world title shot. He's finally promised the title shot in his hometown of Lowell, Massachusetts. And the champion bitches out. So, of course, Taven comes out, cuts a killer freaking promo on Dalton Castle. I thought the important thing here, Castle was presented as the heel, Taven presented as the babyface, which makes sense, but once you put it on Honor Club, it becomes part of the narrative. If this would have just been a house show, not on Honor Club, nobody would be talking about this. But with Matt Taven being a babyface, he utters the words, I promise you... The next time we are in this building, I will be the Ring of Honor heavyweight champion. At some point, Matt Taven's taken this title.
3: But, well, it works for, you know, the hometown. It works for a live event, a house show. I still don't get the chaos. I still didn't feel like Castle was trying to come off as a heel. He, he, it wasn't his decision. He wanted to defend. Uh, but then they go really baby with uh, Taven.
2: At some point, Taven's taken that title. I'm going to guess final battle and I'm going to guess that he takes it from the villain, Marty Skrull, because I think Castle's dropping this title sooner than later. Uh, then we have Coast to Coast versus the Kingdom. Important part here. SoCal Uncensored gets back two thirds of their ROH six man championships. Of course, Taven still has his belt. Uh, well, and,
3: and in doing so, they they cost the kingdom the match, coast to coast, uh, getting another big win. Another
2: big win. They're, they're really setting up coast to coast here. I'm not sure anybody inside of ROH has been pushed harder than coast to coast in the year of 2018. Uh, then we get to your favorite match of the week. I got to say, man, this is right up there for me, too. Uh, Cheeseburger versus Bully Ray. Cheeseburger, of course, all of about 105 pounds. Bully Ray, the WWE Hall of Fame badass that he is and uh rick this was a pretty good match it went exactly the way that you would think it would and that is bully ray basically pummeling cheeseburger to a bloody freaking pulp
3: uh, absolutely destroys him uh power bomb after power bomb we get a low blow and then i just you know i love the little subtleties even coming out you know bullies goes over let's colt hear it uh he he's kind of bossing around the ring announcer he goes over uh it Almost scares to death the lady that's over at the timekeeper's table. Yeah. Working it perfect. Uh, then the the finish there. That he <laughs> he just doesn't care. He is so above everything else. Goes out and just stands with his back to the ring, just mean mugging the audience. Uh, that had to been for that fan. That could possibly have been like the ten the longest ten seconds of their life to have big old Bully Ray just mean mugging you while his back to the ring, and he gets counted out. And in ROH, it's actually a 20 count. Oh, yes, you're right. A 20 count. I'm sorry. The scariest 20 seconds of his
2: (laughs) life. Yeah, in ROH, it's
3: a 20 count, much like it is in New Japan. Yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot about that. Yeah, but we get the count out.
2: Bully Ray versus Colt Cabana? Could could this be building to Bully Ray versus Colt Cabana? Like, if anybody is going to be the defender of independent wrestling,
3: it has to be Colt Cabana. I think maybe that's the next move. I don't know if that's your ultimate payoff, but I think that would be uh, somewhere great to continue this thing.
2: I would love to see that match. I'm not sure that's ever happened. I would love to see that match. Colt Cabana versus Bubba Ray Dudley, Bully Ray Dudley, whatever you want to call him. I guess at this point, it's definitely Bully Ray. Uh, then we move on to uh, Rapunky 3K versus Bullet Club. Uh, Marty, Cody,
3: and Hangman. Um is Bullet Club fine? I was going to say, you know, this match, this was your typical house show match. It really didn't do a whole lot. Not really anything from Hangman. Uh, the story here is kind of just a, a, a lot more continuation between Marty and Cody. I mean, their little antics with each other are always kind of, they're, they're entertaining. Uh, Marty accidentally kicks Bernard. Uh but I guess a little bit of the difference is post match when what'd you think of Barty when he's just piling the streamers on uh poor Bernard over there? Uh then storms off.
2: You see, and I took it more as hey Cody, here's all your streamers. Since you know the entire show is about you. Nobody cares right. about you and your fucking bear. This is about the ROH championship. And Marty is focused on that ROH championship. And if Cody thinks that he is going to prevent Marty from getting that ROH championship, I I, I think Villain Club might become a thing.
3: Uh, he did give the, uh, the sign, the championship sign, when he was exiting. I will tell you what really didn't help Marty, though, on this exit. Uh, the poor little guy threw the worst temper tantrum I've ever seen. He tried flipping something at the table, and then when he tried to kick the barrier, it looked like it hurt his foot more than anything. (laughs) Before he storms up the steps, Uh, but I mean, just this is like one of those just little subtle items that kind of moves business, but something you really didn't have to see. Right?
2: Exactly. You could you could have got this on an episode of Being the Elite. I was going to ask you something. And I don't even remember what it was now. That's how important it was. Uh, let, I guess let's move on to uh, L.I.J. Los Ingobernables de Japón. 100 bucks. I'm really starting to rack these up here, Mr. Rhodes. Uh, Evil Sonata and Naito taking on Silas Young, Brian Malonis, and the Beer City Bruiser. This is just L.I.J. over strong. I could not believe how over L.I.J. was
3: at this ROH show. Oh, they were over. was eating it up absolutely loving it Uh, everything naito went for his pose i mean huge pops but the match itself this again this this is a match it's something i I didn't really need to see i didn't really even like the pairing yeah no um i i did
2: enjoy the pairing of silas young and naito i did like the when those two were in the ring going against each other i like that dynamic i would actually like to see that as a a full-fledged one-on-one match at some point, whether it be War of the Worlds or Global Wars. I think those two guys have some really good ring chemistry. Uh, then, then we have another match that was kind of weird. Uh, IWGP United States Champion Jay White, who actually came out to his old ROH music and his old ROH Tron instead of the Switchblade stuff, uh, versus Jay Lethal versus Chucky T. Uh these three guys were actually supposed to be a six-man team, and here they kind of find themselves going against one another. But it really becomes a two-on-one handicap match. This is chaos versus Jay Lethal.
3: Yeah, well, and you kind of get the big surprise—the big surprise with Chucky, Stee- Chucky T stealing the win there.
2: Chucky T versus Jay Lethal coming up Sunday in Chicago. This was Chucky getting one up on Jay
3: Lethal here. Uh, a lot of a. Uh... Another example of New Japan influence here.
2: Also, another example of nobody fucking cares about Jay White.
3: What do you think post-match? I thought to me that was the most interesting. You got Chuck E.T. and Jay Lethal abiding by the code of honor. Chuck E.T. goes out and Jay White completely blows him off.
2: Well, and the important thing here is they both belong to chaos.
3: That's that's what I was going to say. You know, we had that extra dynamic. It is you have made... You brought to our attention so many times that Jay White, why he's a part of Chaos? Is he, he really like a complete outsider?
2: Yeah, I, he doesn't even come out with the Chaos teams for the big matches in New Japan. Like, the, I, I, I'm
3: just, I don't like Jay White. Oh, that he throws around challenges to other members. Yeah, uh, a total si- a show. You know, sign up disrespect here.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I don't like Jay White, and not necessarily in a good way. Like, he doesn't have necessarily good heel heat for me. I'm just, I don't care about any of his matches.
3: Well, we talk about, in WWE all the time, miscasting. And this, this seems like one of those circumstances where they've, that New Japan has miscast somebody.
2: Yeah, completely, completely agreed. Uh, th- then we have what, to me anyway, should have been the main event of this show, And that was the Kingdom taking on SoCal Uncensored for the ROH six-man tag titles. Uh, This match set up during the earlier tag match when SoCal came out and stole two-thirds of the titles. Time to get all of the titles in one place to the rightful owners and the Kingdom go over in Lowell, Massachusetts, even though the conspiracy rages on. At least there is some business done here, and now the Kingdom are the rightful owners of the ROH six-man titles.
3: Do you think this would be an extended run or is this something that they had to try to do on the fly to really get a pop here for, uh, for
2: this almost felt like pacifying the Lowell crowd,
3: didn't it? Th- th- right. So, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not going to be surprised if we see a switch back here somewhere on this tour here shortly,
2: which again, just plays into the kingdom conspiracy.
3: It's always which, I mean, something to you, you continue to play into this thing. It was a fun match. It is what these six mans are. You know, they are train wrecks. You have people going everywhere. I will say, I and I thought literally at one point, uh, I think it was when Kaz came over the top hard with a double leg drop. Man, he planted everything, hit TKO in the head. I mean, I thought I think he was dazed for a little bit. He seemed, he seemed out of it for like two minutes. Uh, then he goes out, takes a rest spot for a little bit. He comes back in. He's all fired up. But I think he got his bell rung here. Uh, and speaking of bells r- get your bell rung. Your boy... Todd Sinclair, man, taking a big spot on the outside near the end of this match.
2: Yeah, yeah. Todd, uh, Todd Todd's kind of crazy. Uh he is he is not uh
3: well he is a trained
2: wrestler, you know. He doesn't mind taking bumps.
3: You know? Well so. it, it, earlier in the match he was in there, you know, revisiting him and Kaz. Kaz was kind of getting on him, pointing that finger <laughs> at him, poking him, poking the bear. And Todd let him have it. He reminded him who was in charge in that match.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, 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 there's an ongoing feud there. Of course, Kazarian wants a one-on-one match with Todd Sinclair. And Todd's just like, nope, not doing that. Not on my list of things to do. If you haven't heard our interview with Todd Sinclair, look back in the archives. That's a great one. That's one of my favorite interviews. I very much enjoyed talking with Todd. Um, I guess the, the, the other thing I wanted to talk about here, you, you talk about TKO and getting the spell wrong. My, my pop moment of the night when Taven came out to cut his promo and he starts talking about some other little whiny bitch who lost his smile in the whole Massachusetts, the look on TKO's face, the just, Oh face priceless. I don't know if he honestly didn't know Taven was going to say that or what, but that was priceless. Somebody please turn that into a gift for me. Just just blow up TKO's face, because that was great. Uh, then you have the actual main event, which I, I got to admit, I just did not care about, which is funny, because three of my favorite talents in the world were in this main event. But the main event should have been the Kingdom versus SoCal Uncensored. Uh, a- after that, I was checked out.
3: Four, four of your favorites, because we did have Daryl Jr.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, no love for Bushi, no love for Bushi.
3: You know, for me, this would have been a perfect time where you end it with the Kingdom. The kingdom match and then you know keep this match as a special dark main event for those in attendance
2: yeah i i completely agree this just did not
3: need to be on the show it, it, the reason was that it was name value and it was these guys hitting all their spots.
2: And it's also adds to the war of the world's narrative. So your main event at least was new Japan pro wrestling versus the young bucks. Uh, the other problem here, uh, they, they tried to further a little bit of business because the young bucks are chasing uh, evil and Sonata for the IWGP heavyweight tag team championships. However, I'm not sure that this was a good match for the young bucks putting them against two junior heavyweights when I'm trying to take them as legit heavyweight contenders.
3: Completely agree with you.
2: Uh, Love Hiromu. I love Daryl Jr. I I, I love Matt and Nick. I just didn't care about this match. It, it, It was fine. It was a house show main event. That was pretty much how I felt about it. Uh, so next Friday or the next show is Friday. That's going to be streaming live on Honor Club. That one comes to us from Toronto, 7:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh there are some really good matches on this show. Um, main event, R.O.H. World Champion, Dalton Castle, Jay Lethal, Kenny King, and Flip Gordon versus L.I.J. Hiromu, Bushi, Evil and Sonata. Is is Naito not on this show? Did I miss? He oh, is. no. He takes on he's the bruiser not, later.
3: He, yeah, he's got a he's got a match with a bruiser. That's when I saw this match. I was really looking forward to seeing Naito in this match here. Uh, then where I saw where he was lined up, he's got the bruiser. That, again, if you're looking at the pairing from that six-man, that's not what I want to see. Hopefully, we do get a build-up somewhere where we got Young versus uh, Naito here, but... No interest, really, in that match. Well, and,
2: and this very well could be changed because obviously Dalton Castle not participating in Lowell, we don't know what his status is going to be for Toronto. So this match very easily could get shaken up. Uh, also advertised for this show, and this this match intrigues me. I, to me, this is the main event. IWGP United States Champion Jay White versus Punishment Martinez. I Any chance that Punishment takes this title, I would love to see it but I, don't I would think love to see as well.
3: I, I think there's almost 0% chance I'm more looking forward to just how do we get there? I really just want to see punishment punish Jay white. <laughs>
2: Uh, Last time these two were in the ring, Punishment Martinez came out on top, and he did punish Jay White. I I would love to see the same result here. Uh, ROH World Six-Man Tag Team Championship. Of course, this was the advertised match. Uh, Six-Man Tag Team Champion, SoCal Uncensored, which they have now lost those titles to the kingdom, versus Rapungi 3K, Rocky Romero, uh, Sho and Yo. So what do you think? The kingdom gets slid in here, which changes another one of the matches later on down
3: the card. Yeah, that's that's what I'm guessing. I'm going to say we get a rematch. And I would not be shocked at all to see the former champs regain their their titles here. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Uh, So that would change a match. Either you insert someone or we just end up with a, a triple threat in this other match.
2: Very intrigued in this match as well. ROH World Television Championship. Uh, the last real man, the ROH World Television Champion, Silas Young, takes on Bullet Club's Hangman Page. I think this is a great program for Hangman, but I don't think this is the blow off for it. I would love to see Hangman take this title, but it really seems like they're building the Austin Aries versus
3: Silas Young. Yeah, but I'm still looking forward to it. I think this is going to be one of those matches that I'll really enjoy. Uh, Some big athletic guys. You're going to see some traditional stuff. A couple shades of the dot-dot dive, certainly you're going to get from Paige. Uh, I think this is going to be a traditional fun match.
2: Uh, I think this is going to be a house show match that doesn't necessarily really matter that is very, very, very important. And that being the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, taking on Jushin Thunder Liger. Hey Cody, you wanting the G1 this year? Go impress Jushin Liger. That's a hell of a start. Other than that, I don't think there's any importance in this match, but I think this is a very important match for Cody. He nods. Okay, he approves. Um, Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson taking on SSB. I don't even know who SSB is, man. Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. Um, If I don't know who you are, I can't imagine that the Young Bucks are going to lose that match. Uh, As we talked about earlier, Beer City Bruiser taking on Tetsuya Naito. They tried to at least set that up at the uh, show Wednesday night. So at least there's a little bit of a creative build there. And then we have the other match that will probably change. Kenny King versus Marty Scurll versus Matt Taven versus Jay Lethal.
3: So let me ask, why are they, why do they have Kenny King and Jay Lethal doing double duty on this show advertised for double duty?
2: Huh? I didn't even realize that, but I copied this directly from the ROH website. So that's
3: obviously what they've been advertising. So I don't know. I really don't know. Interesting. So we're going to say this is the lineup. That's why we didn't spend too much time just over breaking it down. Cause the card is subject to change. We've had a shakeup and I think you're going to see a, a maybe a number of different matchups here.
2: Yeah, I really the championship matches are the intriguing things here. Uh the 6-man tag team championships, I think those are definitely in question. I think there is a slight chance that the United States Championship is in question here where Punishment Martinez could win this title and then either lose it back to Jay White over in New Japan. In New Japan, or maybe even later on this tour, if they're just trying to do some business here. Um, The television championship, like I said, it feels like they're already building to Silas Young versus Austin Aries. But I think it's a good spot for Hangman Page. So some business that could be done. I do expect a fun show.
3: Yeah, most certainly. I just, I think we're going to have some fun spots. Again, I'm going to be tuned into this thing. I'm going to be geared up for it. I just wonder, you know, how long I can last through. It, it seems like we're we're getting they're increasing every week, every month of the programming we're getting from Honor Club, and believe me, you know it. It's definitely worth the money. I'm enjoying it. I'm appreciative of that. Uh, just kind of be more sensitive to the overall wrestling fan, and you know, really give us that bang for the buck.
2: I think they're still trying to establish what their narrative is going to be, if there is going to be a narrative when it comes to Honor Club and figuring out their TV and the recording schedule and making everything on Honor Club line up. It really is a complicated task. I I applaud Ring of Honor for even attempting to do anything with that task instead of just going straight house show with all this stuff and then people just stop
3: watching them. That's an interesting take there. You know, maybe we will get these where we get a, a rush of these honor club programs leading into television tapings and then they pull back. Yeah. So that they can kind of, cause like you said, that's man, that is going to be, that's the major ju- juggling.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've seen a lot of that since Supercard of honor, really since honor club has become a thing. You know, it's it's kind of been, how do we manage both of these platforms at the same time and advance business and get people to watch these shows and it, it, it's, they find themselves in an interesting conundrum, uh, just trying to figure it out creatively. Uh, so that's going to wrap things up for this week's episode, but have no fear as RBV and I will be back in your ear holes of, of course, this Monday over in the locker room at hackerhameen.podbean.com. And as Rick teased earlier, we're probably going to do a weekend show this, this week too. So, uh. Just be on the lookout. I don't know when it's going to come out. It'll be sometime well, I,
3: over the weekend. Right now, you know, I'm talking to the people in the office. We're trying to coordinate the schedules. Uh, they're on the phone over to OneWrestling.com. We're, we're going to try to coordinate get everyone together. It looks like that Big Ray Hernandez. He's going to try to get on board with uh, the weekend show.
2: Until then, be sure that you visit our boys over at thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Of course, you can find RBV and I on Twitter at HTMPWPod on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, Email us at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. Of course, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how does the rest of the Huckleberry Club
3: find you? As always, you can find me across all social media at the real RBV. And make sure you're jumping on Facebook. You're head on over to the Hami Media Discussion Group, joining in all the great conversation, uh, the, the live chat. So much going on. We want everyone to be a part of the fun. So make sure you're checking us out over there.
2: Season 2, episode 19 in the can. Enjoy a War of the Worlds, guys. We'll talk to you soon. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Point your
1: fingers. Enable me. Hey, you'll be draping the blame on me I smell self-righteousness That's the bad guy Go. You'll be trapping the blame on me I smell self-righteousness That's the the bad guy Go! your bitch and I lie, she was at home with me last night, I'll be your bad guy, <laughs> you know I, will be your bad guy, that's all right, violence.